Hello. It's Chet. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. Um, I'm already back to the bad habit of saying, um, oh, well, deal with it. Sorry. I'm going to try not to, um, but it's going to happen. So I'll do so instead of, um, I have been, let's see what's been going on in my world. This is episode one. Okay. First off. Episode 137. I've I've interviewed Luke Chu, an old friend of mine, an artist from the Cannibal Flower Days, who has his own podcast called the Robot and the Bear podcast. I just started listening to. It's great. He had a uh, we had a great conversation. He was a really good guest and went over two hours. And uh, I really enjoyed talking to him. He, he's another example of one of these artists I feel like I've known forever and never really sat down and chatted a whole lot about personal stuff. So he's very open about his his uh, issues he's had with heroin addiction. So that was very interesting. But it was a very lighthearted conversation. Other than that, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a heavy downer thing at all. It was just part of his life story. And I have a family member who's gone through this same thing and is now clean. I just I've never mentioned this person on the podcast out of out of uh, their privacy, and I haven't asked them if it's okay to talk about it yet. So one day I'll probably talk about it when they give me the go ahead. But I've never even actually asked if I could talk about it. But the issue has come up a few times, and I always think, oh, I should talk about so-and-so. This would have been a good episode, but like I said, I don't want to, I want to respect this person's privacy. So anyway, when he was talking about all the addiction stuff, I could relate from uh, the standpoint of someone that's seen someone go through this. But really great conversation. Luke's a great guy. His artwork's really cool and funny, and, and, uh, and I enjoy it. And he's been around for since we started at the same time at Cannibal Flower. So it's pretty cool to chat for a bit. So, okay, what have I been doing this week? I have been doing Halloween studies, black and white Halloween studies, trying to make some money for property taxes and a bunch of other stuff that came up. So I got to hustle as usual. And, um, yeah, I've just been doing that. I think at at this point there's only two left, but I'm, I'm going to keep painting them until Halloween. Halloween, I think is Thursday and I'm just going to keep cranking on these studies and posting them in my web store. I posted four today and two of them are gone, which is great. I posted cousin it from the Adams family, the old sixties TV show. And Vampira from Plan 9 from Outer Space and Tor Johnson from Plan 9 from Outer Space and Janet Lee from Psycho from the famous shower scene. So oh so I have I have John Barrymore Barrymore as Mr. Hyde from the 1920 version of uh Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde that might be kind of obscure for some people but I always thought that character was so cool it's the Mr. Hyde with a cone head really super creepy. 
and Tor Johnson from the classic, terrible movie, Plan 9 from Outer Space, iconic, and uh, Janet Lee from Psycho. And I'm pretty happy with all these studies. So they're, uh, they may or may not be available as of this podcast, because it is Monday afternoon right now. I'm recording this. So that's what I've been doing. I've been, <clears throat> I've had a lot of people asking. I've had my, I did a poster, a gig poster for Tool for their, one of their LA shows. And that was a big hit. And apparently they sold out. And apparently people were buying like 15 at a time. So a lot of people missed out, which sucks. I guess scalpers, scumbag, assholes, scalpers came in and bought them all up in order to make a quick buck. So you, if you are one of those people, you suck. But you already know that. You just don't care because you're probably the kind of person that doesn't give a shit about other people. But anyway, I people have been asking me if I'm going to get any tool posters. And yes, I'm getting some tool posters. That was part of my deal. I don't know when, but I will be getting some and I will be selling them. And as with all of my merch and my studies and any new products, I sell them. I offer them to my Patreon subscribers first. So if you, this, this was not planned this way. I didn't know the posters were going to be crazy like that and, um, uh, sell out like that. So this was not part of my grand scheme, but this is how I have things set up now. If you want to get, be among the first people, to have the opportunity to buy those posters, you you need to join my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash chetzar. Now I've got a $50 a month and up level. Those people who are putting out that kind of money, they get first crack at any of my new releases. So they're going to get first crack at the posters. Then the lower tiers are going to get if there's any left after that, they get the chance to buy it. If there's any left after that, which I don't think there will be, then it goes to, to sale on my big cartel to the public. So if you're serious about getting one, you kind of have to join at the $50 level. But the good thing about Patreon is you can lower your subscription. You can change it throughout the month. So um, if you can't afford $50 over and over and over, you can lower your um, subscription after you get your item that you want. Or you can keep paying 50 a month. I would certainly appreciate it. It's pretty, uh, the support is, has been amazing. I've been posting all of my studies on there first and time lapses, and tutorials, all kinds of stuff on there. Plus an ongoing 20% discount on my big cartel store. So anything, even sale priced items, you get 20% more off if you join at the $50 or more level. So anyway, that's patreon.com slash chetzar. That's all I'll say on that. And let's get on to new subscribers and the five questions and then the interview. Okay. Where did you go? Where did you go? I had this up nice and organized. Okay, here we go. New subscribers. Thank you for subscribing. I'm going to thank you ahead of time. I don't remember where I left off. I think I left off on James Bell last week. Thank you, James, again. I'm not sure if I mentioned any of these, but um, I think I did. But I'm just to be safe, I'm going to go over them because I don't want to leave anyone out. Daniel Duckett, Ego, 
who is an artist I really like. He's he's also on Patreon. Um, I don't know if I'm subscribed to him, but if I'm not, I am going to after this. NC Winters pledged. Thank you, NC Winters. He was just on the show. Really good episode. Brad Brandmeyer. Thank you. And Kevin Titro. Titro? T-E-T-R-E-A-U-L-T. T-Tralt. Titro. I'm sorry for butchering your name, but I definitely appreciate you joining the Dark Art Society Patreon. If you want to join, it's a dollar a month at least. You can join for more. A lot of people join for more than that to support. All the uh, money goes towards keeping this podcast free for everybody, going for things like um, merchandise that we're going to do, uh, and the new Dark Art Society website. So up until the website, when you joined the Patreon, you get to, you get to hear the podcast at least a day early through the Patreon and you also get entry into the private Facebook group, the dark art society cooperative Facebook group. Now I had it, um, set to once we hit a certain level in Patreon that we were going to create a website for, and it's kind of build a community in there. So, so we don't have to do it on Facebook because Facebook sucks and they're evil and they steal your, data and then they use it to fuck you with so we're we're trying to build an alternative group an alternative to facebook so we've got the dark art society website now when you join the patreon you get you still get entry we're transitioning between the facebook group and the um website group so you have to you know you get a login name and password and all that and it's all our own little bubble. We don't have to deal with a bunch of bullshit on Facebook. So you will, for now, you'll get in the Facebook group, but you will also get in the Dark Art Society website group. And we're trying to transition everybody off of Facebook and into the Dark Art Society website, darkartsociety.com website. So if you join up, <clears throat> you get entry into the group and it's uh, a cool happening little community that we're starting in there so that's patreon.com slash dark art society at this point josh g is he built the website and he is adding people patreon subscribers manually we have kind of a workaround it's it's a work in progress but the the website's amazing i love it Okay, so now on to the five questions. I'm going to randomly choose some questions that people have asked. Rob Freitas, when are you going to ask have Rick Baker on your show? Well, I already have asked him, and he said yes. And, but he's hard to get a hold of, so I have to chase him down and hit him up some more because we never set a time i basically he said yes this is on a private message on instagram and i said cool what times or dates are you available and i never heard back so i know he's a busy guy so i need to basically you know give him some times and dates and let him choose maybe 
So hopefully that'll be coming up soon. He's got his new book that's coming out, which I just ordered today. So a uh, book of his career. Oh, also, I don't know if this is still going to be going on this post, but Stan Stanislav, his his Kickstarter, book Kickstarter is still going as of today. I don't know if it's going to be up when we post this. Hopefully it will. I think it might be just ending on Wednesday, but I, I don't quote me on that. Just look up Stan, Stan Dark Art on Facebook and he's got links or Kickstarter, Stan Dark Art. It'll come up. Okay. Anyway, here's from my cousin, Aaron Saul. I have one for you. Where did you hide the key to the trunk? I'm still curious. Okay. When I was a little kid, I was very mischievous. And one time I, I asked my cousin, Aaron, to get into this trunk. It was a foot, like a foot locker trunk of my brother's and it was empty. And as a joke, I locked her in the trunk. And I think I started playing scary music. But I didn't know where the key was. I wasn't aware of that. So we had to call my brother who had a job. He was like, I don't know, 15 at the time. Probably, no, like 13. I was probably eight years old or something. My cousin, she was probably eight. I think we were the same age. So this poor girl had to sit in this trunk for like probably an hour while we tracked my brother down to get the key to the trunk. And I feel, I still feel horrible about that. It was terrible, but that's the kind of stuff I used to do. I was kind of a little, I don't know, mischievous. And I think she's claustrophobic to this day because of it. Aaron, I'm really sorry for doing that. I, I feel horrible. It, if, if one of my kids that did that to one of my other kids, they would definitely have been punished. I don't think I got punished, though. Okay. I don't know where the key to the trunk is. So I'm sorry I, I did that to you. Okay. Andrew Davis, do you ever ever have an off day of painting where everything you paint is crap? Yes. Those days are terrible. Terrible. When you have a good day, you feel good. You're all energetic. When you have a good painting day, and then when you have a bad painting day, you're in a bad mood. Everything sucks. It just happens. And it's part of the deal, and you have to be resilient and just you know keep working through it and eventually it ends usually doesn't last more than a day for me anyway but if it's happening to you just push on through and it will get better okay so that was one two three uh rf pangborn asked how do you get out of artist block i I've said this before, I don't have artist block too often, but I have had it. And what got me back in was immersing myself in things that I love, art artistic 
kinds of things that I that really inspire me, such as old horror movie comics or horror comics, artwork I like from artists I like. Seeing artwork that's that I find inspiring usually seems to get me out of my funk. And I don't think, I think the key is to, to go into it if just for its own sake, instead of like, oh, I got to use this to get me out of my funk. It's like, okay, if I'm having a block, time to take a break, stop, chill out, and, you know, not work and do something that's fun. And if you can do something that's fun, that also relates to artwork that's inspiring to you artistically, that's one technique anyway. It's worked for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Find a good last one here. Uh, I have to go through nonsense questions. Questions are stupid. Okay. There's one question this guy asked that isn't stupid, but the other two are. Eric Christopher Sizemore, what is the most fucked up you've ever been? Well, I remember getting really drunk when I worked in Italy on a, a movie set. And it was in Rome. I was 18, I think, 18 or 19. It was one of my first movies. I was working on this movie called Cellar Dweller. Went over there for John Beekler, who was a makeup effects, had a makeup effects shop. Me, Mike Deke, Bill Butler. We went over there to shoot uh, Cellar Dweller, and there was a bar on the, on the lot. There was a place to go eat. And it, at lunch and it was nice it was not like a crappy little restaurant it was like a sit-down restaurant with rolls sitting out on the table it was really cool but there wasn't a lot of production going on in the studio so it was pretty laid back but there was a bar and people were drinking all the time i think it's just a cultural thing in italy like they drink during lunch and they had these things called vodka vodka limon and it was like a lemon vodka chilled and those tasted really good so i remember drinking a bunch of those one day at the after work at the bar on the lot and i think i was so drunk that i fell down and then mike deke the guy the guy who was and he was like an older guy and kind of he'd been there before and I just kind of follow him around and we um got in the rental car and I don't think he was drunk I don't know if I'm mixing two two moments up but yeah this might have been a different day I don't know I'll, I'll go with the I was drunk story um we, we Every day we would leave the the soundstage and the, nobody, hardly any production was there. So it was, you know, the, the parking lot was empty. 
So we take this rental car and do this like kind of obstacle course throughout the parking lot. And because there was nobody there, he'd, so he'd like drive all crazy and skid. And, and at the very end, he would do this kind of like skid out slide. I don't know what you call it, where you kind of stop and then slide sideways. And then we'd get on the freeway and drive home normally on this day. He skidded and we went too far and there was like a ditch and basically the car fell in the ditch on its side. It kind of went upside down a little bit. Um, so that was kind of crazy. I think that's the same day I got really drunk. But anyway, that was probably the most fucked up I've ever been. I'm not a big drinker or person that likes to get fucked up. So that's not not a very good fucked up story but i answered your question so there okay so that was one two three four five okay that's it all right i will mark that one off and let's get on with it great interview with luke chu enjoy What's up, Luke? Hey, Seth. How you doing, man? <laughs> Good. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Oh, thanks for coming on my podcast. I've been you're you, I've I think I told you this when we talked last, but you you've been on my list since I started the podcast. Oh so, no way! Yeah, I've got this long list, and um, I'm just so disorganized. It's like you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll happen to look at the list or whatever. You know, it just kind of comes up every week a, a new artist. But um, yeah, thank you for coming on. Oh, it's my, it's my pleasure. Yeah. It's you know, I, I definitely would like to think that my work kind of falls under that umbrella. It does. Um, it really does. I was going to bring that up. It really does because there's, I mean, I think, I can't think of a Luke Chu painting that doesn't have a dark element to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, I, I think that like when when people ask me about like what my work is, I always kind of consider it to be a study in contrast, you know, mm. light and dark, right? you know, and, you know, I kind of believe that like, you know, obviously like when you look at my work, there's a lot of these like really cute anthropomorphized characters in it. But like when you mix it with a like heavy kind of dark narrative, mm. it really kind of sells that narrative even deeper because yeah. you know sometimes with with like let's just like with dark art you know like you know i i think people can be kind of guarded you know mm -hmm. with the way they observe things right you know and so you you walk into an environment you know and you instantly kind of like sense the this aura of like heaviness and um you know and you're you know if uh, an average like you know, viewer might be will instantly try and like dismiss it, right, or right. like you know. But you're you're hooking them in with the cuteness. You're hooking them <laughs> in with the cuteness, and then you hit them. It's like the one-two punch. Then you hit them with the darkness. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, you know, and I think that like you know, like like you know, I I, I always kind of like like think back at like stuff like you know, you know, I I. I didn't start painting like full time until like 2003, around the time you and I met, right. like at the Cannibal Flower. That's shows. when I started 
painting for yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and um, yeah. the um, like before that, like growing up in the '90s, we had things like remember like Happy Tree Friends. Yeah, yeah, you know, right, right. You know, yeah, just like that's true. You know, even Ren and them. Stimpy. Yep. Like Stimpy. I was a huge fan of like those. Remember, like you'd see like something like Ren and Stimpy, and they will have like plenty of like like flat 2D animate 2D animation, but then they'll suddenly cut to this highly rendered right. grotesque image. You know, and there's always those highly rendered grotesque images that I was like captivated by. I was like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, know, <laughs> you know, who the hell painted that? Like the bottom of the the bottom of a coffee table with boogers, a bunch of boogers. I remember that one. Or like crazy like zits. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, right. They go close up know? close up on his gums. And it's just yeah, like the teeth. <laughs> the yeah. teeth are all crazy, highly rendered. <laughs> yep, I remember that. Yeah. So like you know, I think, you know, kind of growing up, like absorbing that kind of, you know, information. And I was like old by then, like I was in my tw- my late, you know, to mid 20s, you know, when like that style of, mm-hmm. kind of animation. How, was, how old are you? I'm 46. Oh, OK, OK. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm I am no spring chicken. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, I'm going to be 52 next month. So. So oh, really? Yeah. Well, you look, you know. You look, you, I, I would have guessed that you were, you and I were very close to, yeah. you know, age, but no, you're an old fucking man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Damn right. <laughs> no, but, you know, um, but like, yeah, so it's, um, you know, I, I think that like all of that kind of stuff, you know, like had a big influence on me mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, I love comics and cartoons what about and did you did you like wacky packs wacky packages did, did you or were you too young for that um i you know i mean like stuff like you know i remember when i was a child um it wasn't i don't think these were wacky packages but like i remember like visiting my older cousin in los angeles and he had a handful of mars attacks right you know, yeah. cards yeah, those were a little later, but the, it's the same same artists, I think. A lot of the same artists did those. Mm-hmm. And of course, I grew up with Garbage Pail Kids right, and, uh, right. and, uh, and, and stuff like that, too. And um, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I definitely, you know, it's funny because like that, that kind of like this, this, this formula of light and dark, cute and brute, mm-hmm. you know, are, is like, like I, in no way created that. I did not right. create that. Like that has been something that has been prevalent, you know, across, you know, Western society for a long time. Right. It's just, you know, a formula that um, I'm, you know, you know, borrowing and, you know, and it also kind of, I don't know, like, you know, if you want to like kind of deep dive into it, like, you know, I'm at just the last like Friday, I celebrated my ninth year of sobriety. Congrats. And thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. And, but before that, I mean, you, you, you met me during my one window of clarity. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like during the cannibal flower days. Right. And then like, I just like, boom, I, I, I like fell back off, the, you know, fell back off the wind wagon again. You know, I was, you know, strung out on, you know, I was basically a, a heroin addict, an opiate addict, like pharmaceuticals, like right. Oxycontin and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I got like, and then I, you know, mixed it in like with like 
you know, meth and cocaine and everything like that. And it was, you know, a serious mess for like, I'll say about seven years, the entire time trying to balance an art career while dealing with a huge, you know, drug problem. It must've been insane. Um, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it was, it was nuts. And I think a lot of my work reflected on that, Right. you know, you know, the, um, like, especially during that period, my, my work got very bloody and it got very, you know, like lots of like dismemberments and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And that was all a reflection in my eyes of, you know, what the things, the things I was doing to myself. Right. And so were you aware of it or was it just kind of coming out subconscious? I mean, you, you you knew you were an addict, but were you aware when you were creating the artwork or was it like a subconscious talking to yourself? Um, maybe a a combination of both. Mm. Like, um, like, I think that like, I didn't really think too hard about it when uh, the work started getting kind of heavier and more violent, Mm. you know, but then when it did, I associated the, um, addiction issues and the self-destructive issues with, you know, the gore and the, you know, the violence in the work. You know, um, like, and I, I wasn't afraid of kind of like illustrating like some of those, you know, addiction issues very like um, literally into the work. Mm-hmm. Like I have a painting called Impaled, which is like a rabbit with a syringe plunged through right. its chest, yep. you know. I know that um, <clears throat> And then another painting, it's, it's probably a le- slightly lesser known painting called um, The Abscess where like this bear is standing there and he has a huge abscess, like, you know, right. on his arm. Yeah. And, um, I remember like my sister, like, you know, who was very con- aware of my issues. Your like, awesome. what, oh, she's great. She's Kim, so cool. Shout out to Kim. Yes. Kim. You're <laughs> um, awesome. And, and, um, looking at the painting and talking to a, a mutual friend and going like, is it me? Or is this like the, the biggest cry for help? You know, right. in the, um, you know, and, you know, yeah, I could definitely say it was, but like, you know, and so I, now that like, I've got this window of like, um, like now that I've got like nine years of sobriety on me and I've kind of, you know, like finally like at a place where I'm just not like thinking about like, you know, killing myself all the time. Right. Um, like my work has definitely gotten a lot lighter, but I still like, I can't, I can't let go of that. Like that cynicism, mm-hmm. you know, I have yeah. about, <laughs> especially in this like era. Of, yeah. It's part like, of life, man. You know? It's part of reality nowadays, or it's always been, but especially now, you know? Oh my gosh. Like I, I don't even like, Okay, here, we're we're going to go into like some some weird territories here. If you, if, you, if you're okay with this, <laughs> of course. Um, um, like, like, on one hand, I hate Trump, but on the other hand, he has made news so entertaining for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what comedians say. Comedians have the same take. It's like, you know, the material is it's too easy now to to do comedic material because of him. 
Well, like the first thing I do when I wake up is I open YouTube and I like look over the latest like headlines, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, and just because it's like, it's like this world is so crazy. I can't believe it, yeah. you know? And, um, but anyways, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's one of those, it's definitely one of those things that like, you know, like this, this modern world that we're living in and, you know, and all the crazy shit that's going on. It's just like, you know, I, I can't get enough of it. You know, I don't know whether or not I can't say it's actually kind of affected my work, you know, personally, but like, I think that the stimulus, you know, just kind of keeps my mind, right. you know, going, right. you know, and, you know, it's, um, you know, especially like, you know, with all these like issues, like, you know, global warming and, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're just kind of like, you know, watching the, the this world kind of like in a free fall right. and you know it it's it's i don't know it's like a know. it's like a um in a way it to me it, it seems like an addict hitting bottom is what right. it feels like to me right you know right you know the fact that we have a 16 year old girl from you know switzerland right. greta thunberg you know like coming out here and like making headlines you know like that's insane. It is insane. That, uh, it's know, all like, it's all insane. There's so much just craziness everywhere, mm -hmm. you know? It's yeah. It's yeah, yeah. I I'm with you on that. For for me it's been in a way be, you know, painting the stuff that I've been painting for all this time, it's almost validating in a way, yeah. it's like that I wasn't crazy, you know, because I was sensing <laughs> since I was a kid, I was sensing that something was just not right. Right. And and um, now it's you're seeing that like, yeah, definitely something is a lot of things are not right. And so especially it kind of I don't know, I think it's kind of kind of leg legitimizing darker artwork in a way. Not that it needs that, but it's like even Giger. Um, you know, he was saying his stuff was about the environment back in the seventies, mm -hmm. late sixties right. and early seventies when he was doing that stuff. So, right. you know, well, I kind of feel your work is definitely, you know, illustrating the, the environmental, like environment illustrates to us, to a, not in the forefront kind of way, right. but like, uh, you know, in a lot of environmental kind of, issues. Yep. Yeah, you know, so like, you know, it's, um, you know, being here in California, like, you know, we kind of feel the, like the, the, the summer's getting hotter, yep. you know, less, the, you know, the rain, you know, being an issue, it's, you know, and like, you know, we're, we're not even really in a place where it's like, kind of like impact, like really impacting us, right. like, you know, like imagine like, like all the island nations, like, you know, mm -hmm. where like the seawater rising and everything like that is just, you know. You know, and you know, fish. You know, overfishing is like you know, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, I, I'm not the most politically savvy person, despite how many hours a day I spend watching the, <laughs> <laughs> the material. I'm, I, but, I, I know, know, I'm with you there. Watching um, it and talking about it are two two different things. <laughs> right, right. But like, you know, I guess it's about like you know practicing. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. You know, exactly. But like, you know, I, I think I need more like 
politically savvy friends that I could communicate with. That way I can be able to like, yeah. Cause we're thinking it. about it. We're thinking about <laughs> thinking it. It's just verbalizing it. <laughs> let, and let, let's get to, I want to get kind of the boring stuff out of the way first, just so people mm. have some context if they're not familiar with your work. Um, and then we can get it just, then we can let the conversation go like we have been. But, um, yeah. you, we, when did we started showing at, at cannibal flower you, in the early two thousands, you're saying 2003, yeah. I started in two th- and I started in June of two thousand and three, and I remember when you first came in. Um, you were th- you came in after a buddy of yours came in. Um, Cam, I think you- Cam. Yeah, yes. yeah, Cam DeLeon. Yes. Yeah, Cam DeLeon came out. I came in first, and then he's like, oh, "I've got a friend," you know, because um, I think you were doing sculpting, yeah, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because like, weren't you like associated with the tool video? Yeah, I did work on the yeah. tool videos and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. and and I, you know, I was in at that time. I was in makeup effects business. That was mm. my my day job was sculpting and stuff. So that's what like it seemed like like everyone mm-hmm. <laughs> who's in LA who does some sculpting is yeah. <laughs> also doing. They're also doing like some like industries, uh, right. entertainment industry stuff. Right. You know, and like I remember like because that. Like, no offense to the Tool fans out there. I'm just not a big Tool fan, you know. But that you're gonna video, hear it. You're gonna hear it. You're gonna <laughs> hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but that video, that video blew me away. Yeah, you the know, videos like, are amazing. You know, mean, even yeah. if you don't, if you're not into the music, the videos are amazing. <laughs> yep, yep. The the videos like so. I was really excited to meet you. Because you know you're you're associated with a project that left a big impact mm. on me. Oh, cool! You know, and then you know you know. Uh, and then you know, <laughs> Cannibal Flower. In case no one's familiar, because it doesn't even exist anymore. Oh, it it's, doesn't. It's, it's it over? doesn't. What it's a bummer! Over. How sad. Yeah, it is sad. But yeah. like, I think you and I also kind of came in at a real like, like almost magical time. Yeah. For Cannibal Flower, because right. like. Remember, like you know, freaking like um, just the the amount of different talent that was coming through it those was like, shows. Yeah, it was like all the, or a lot of the artists that are showing now that have got a career start were starting at the same time we were. Yep, it's pretty amazing. Yep. It, it, yeah, it, exactly. Like you had like Lola, you had Lola Gill. You mm-hmm. know, um, if you should, I would recommend looking her up. Yeah, her work's completely changed. It's 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 very it's very it's it's, it's interesting now. And then like you know like. Joe Ledbetter, who became a big name in the mm. uh, art toy scene, was in there. Um, Nathan you know, Cartwright. Nathan Cartwright. He's got the Hive owns, Gallery now. Uh, yeah, you know, and you know, it was it it was a, quite a time to be uh, a part of that show. It was so know? it was so exciting. I remember those days. It was so exciting. It was like I remember go- driving out to shows and just being like, cause, because it was for me, it was my first experience in the art world. And and up up to then I was you know I just the reason I didn't become a fine artist out of right out of high school and got into effects I was really into effects at the time but there was just I felt like there was no place to show there was no venue that would show especially the kind of artwork I wanted to do so right it was like oh I found a place and it's exciting and everybody's there's all this talent and you know mm-hmm. tons of people go to it and it's like a big party atmosphere and yeah you know. So were were you working? You were working kind of with them in the beginning, weren't you? Like helping yeah. them set up and and run the thing. So okay, um, 
my my personal background is graphic design. And the reason why I chose graphic design was because I thought it was impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so exactly the same reason I chose makeup effects. To find a career in, like, studio art. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like, you know, I don't, I mean, like, I think abstract art and abstract expressionism have a place in the pantheon of contemporary art. Of course it does. sure. But the thing is, is that, like, I don't think that way. I don't communicate that way. Exactly. You know, and I, like, I remember, like, I I always kind of tell the story about going to the MoCA and um, the the Grand Street MoCA in downtown Los Angeles. And I was walking through the exhibition and there was this huge, like, freaking 20 foot by 8 foot, like, painting backslash photographic print maybe and it looked like a black it was like black with a bunch of like colored stage lights mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was just like you know like blurry stage lighting like <laughs> spheres and i was just like and i stood in front of this thing for a, a solid minute or two kind of going why don't i get this right like why is this like am i just that dumb i think that's like, how most not- people feel I think how, right. that's how the average person feels. That's how I feel yeah, too. Absolutely. And then like, you know, and I was just like, okay, you know, I, I, I just don't have what it takes to be a fine artist. Right. You Plus know, why so. would you, we, how could you be passionate about creating a piece like that? That's the other thing. It's like, I can't, I, well, I can't get into that. I think the passion lies in the game and the game is the selling this like theory idea that's not fun to, to me though <laughs> that no, sound like I, fun no. to me that's not I a fun not, game i like the no, i like it, the painting game uh, yeah absolutely <laughs> Abs- absolutely like you know and like i i, I don't I, i'm i it is it is not my thing you know right, and right. so like i i you know figured like this graphic design thing it i'm having fun with it you know and the time when I was going to school, I was surrounded by a lot of very talented, you know, designers. And so like, you know, it was just, you know, fun. But you know, the funny thing when I was going to school was like I started taking like illustration classes and painting classes and life drawing classes. And like and apparently I was excelling at them. And like before I graduated, I had two professors come up to me and go, like, you know, Luke, you are a mediocre graphic designer. But <laughs> you are a good illustrator. Wow. You know, you should like really look into doing illustration work. And that's cool. And then another one like kind of suggested that I go to grad school. And I asked her, like, where should I go to school? Should I go to like Otis or go to Art Center? And they're like, no, you should like go to like maybe like UC Davis, where, you mm-hmm. know, it's a normal, you know, a well rounded university kind of education where you can be able to get influences outside of just this cyclical kind of art school mentality, you know? Right. Because like, you know, one of the things that like made, you know, say your work and my work like stand out in this like LA art scene was that like at the time, especially like in that 2003, 2005 window Mm -hmm. was everything had that like, art center stamp on it like oh 
that's art center it's got like some typographic element going on there it's right. got like various different like stuff going all over the place yeah. it's got drips <laughs> and like raindrops all over the place. right 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 <laughs> i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> it was all this kind of like yep. half-baked jeff soto nathan oda kind of right, stuff right like right. i'm not saying nathan oda and jeff soto are half-baked their work is beautiful but it's like a half-baked version right. of what they're doing yeah you know people and were jumping so, on that bandwagon because that was selling i think it was the clayton brothers too yeah it was a very clayton brothers kind of thing it was like a a it was like a very polished clayton brothers kind of like uh look you know and so and we kind of like both you and i kind of come in with this very stark minimalist right you know portraity kind Mm -hmm. of work that like you know was very different from you know what was going on out there and um it, it helped us stand out yeah I, think, I agree you know so and now we just have to like you know shoe off all the biters <laughs> <laughs> well it's a sign of success i'm just kidding, I suppose. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. actually I, ha- I can honestly say like i have not seen any other artist who does work that resembles either of our works yeah like i have I mean, have you have you uh, seen like a bunch of like like I mean, uh, I've seen, I haven't seen anybody ripping you off, but I've seen some people kind of ripping me off a little bit. But um, really, yeah. But like, I'll, you know, send, I mean, I'll like, send you some links. There's a, there's a difference between <laughs> fan art and art inspired by. Like, right, right. You know, like I, I'm sure there's tons of like fan art of your work. Yeah, you know, yeah. like people borrowing your character designs and borrowing like your tech, you know, your yeah, yeah. compositions and stuff it's all like good. that. I, and, like, I going, you know, it's it's all it's all good. There's, I'm not going to name names, but there's one in particular that was like I was looking at it, and and this person was getting you know a lot of traction and mm-hmm. and selling um, for way less than I was. So it was kind of like. Hey, uh, that one's just like <laughs> mine, and it's like a third the price. Wait a minute, and uh, but this artist has since I've seen kind of gone on to do more, get away less like away a little more away from what I'm doing, and right. build their own uh, thing up. So that's cool. It's all good. Actually, okay, th- this that brings up something that I've been curious about. Like, um, I haven't looked like at your instagram profile i'm sure you've got plenty of followers on there and I'm, mm. I'm doing okay with that but like compared like i don't you know to like i'm, I'm going to look it up really now just, uh, okay. before i put my put my, put my foot in my <laughs> mouth you know just because like you know you, you, you um you never know like okay oh you're doing great yes. you're doing a lot better than i am <laughs> well you you have to uh listen to episode 110 of the podcast josh g okay. This guy who works in social media, who knows he's the guy from Creep Machine, the Creep Machine okay. blog. He started the yeah. Creep Machine blog. He uh, he's also helping us with the Dark Art Society website and stuff like that. But he did. We did a whole episode where he's basically here's how I got three hundred thousand followers organically without paying for them on Creep Machine Instagram, right. and he basically lays out all the steps you need to do if you're interested in. I am that. interested in that because like. You know, I, I've been hovering at about like, you know, in the forties, right? you know, and like, it's not, it's not bad in my eyes, no, but it's not, not bad great. At all. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, no. Yeah, if, you, and, if you, if you do everything he says, you will see a huge jump. 
It, it takes, Please tell me it's not posting every day. It's posting, yeah. <laughs> it's posting <laughs> twice a day. You're at the proper times. It is oh, adding, putting stuff me, in stories. It is the way you use hashtags. It is the way you compose your pictures. It's a lot of different things, but it is a that formula is- that I started doing it. I was stuck at a uh, hundred and and which seems like a lot, you know. But I was at a hundred and six, a hundred seven thousand for like a year. It seemed like I couldn't. I was mm-hmm. losing people, and then I was just flat, and it just would not. No matter what I did it nothing would change and i started doing what he said and i've gotten i don't know it's been six eight months i don't know when when you know, you, you, jumped was, but up, it's you jumped up 10 ten thousand from that yeah since i started doing his and it was like i noticed it in about a week or so after doing what he said so it definitely oh, works really? yeah especially wow. since you already have the you already have like a lot of followers on there so it'll mm-hmm. it'll it'll work for you wow okay it's, it's pain in the That's ass like- but you know you know, it's it's funny because like those numbers are on one hand, like I I I don't give a fuck. Like right. it's just like, you know, I'm I'm just happy to have people following me and people who care and people who, you know, even if it's only about like three percent of the number of followers. That's, I have, well that's like, that's the like point stuff. that's the point he makes on the podcast is that it's not about how many followers followers you have. It's about how many engaged followers you have. So it's about the people that are commenting consistently right. and the people that are liking your things consistently. And that's like a small percentage. So you can, you can have hundreds of thousands of people on there, but if, you know, nobody's commenting or liking or buying from you, then they're not engaged. So it's really right. the, the engaged ones you have to you have to interact with them as well and post com- yeah. respond to their comments well, and- I, I I will reply to questions and I will like like comments right yeah, I like yeah. almost every comment but like I, I had a friend tell me like oh you gotta like interact with every single comment and I'm like fuck that man. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> like there's only so much time in the day and I'm already yeah it has hanging to be, like on. more than just thanks and mm-hmm. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me <laughs> <laughs> You know, know. so like, uh, because like, I I will admit, like, you know, like the like when I like see like you know, like my colleagues, whom whose work that I'll admit I maybe I don't like as much, or I just think is kind of hacky, you know. And I see like they've got like five times the followers that I have. I'm kind of like, it's crazy. What the fuck? Did I just get in the the game in general in a weird period it's just because they changed the algorithm and then and then you know you have to it's it's he explains i'm telling you you gotta listen that's a good one episode episode 110 (laughs) that's a good one to listen to it's one it's probably our most popular episode because it's gotten passed around because the advice is so good but he gives really explains why it's that way and why you have to do this and why you have to do that and it's really it makes everything make sense a lot more sense mm-hmm. you know so interesting yeah interesting yeah. okay yeah no I, I i like yeah for the longest for I, I, up until like just you talking to us talking about it i had a fuck it you know kind of you know? <laughs> i did too before <laughs> that and then, I, like, and, then, and then I then I heard the pot. Then we did the interview, and I was like, "Ah, oh, shit! I'm gonna have to do all this stuff." But then I start doing it, and it works. I'm just I'm trying to get people onto my Patreon now. That's the hard part. Oh, you know? well, do I, do, does this does this podcast have its own 
Um, yeah, we have a Patreon but, for it. Well, and, and its own like Instagram page that you yeah. kind of. Um, yeah, it's wanna, still I, I think kind of small, but the the the, the 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 Instagram page is kind of small, but the Patreon's pretty good. We've got like a little secret or private Facebook group for people who join the Patreon, and now we have a website for people to join if they join the Patreon mm-hmm. and. It's you, should, cool. you should you should do a live stream that way like people who I know you know you know and that way they could ask questions I know, know I know and, I know I, so, I want to do it I want to do it it's just I I you know I was doing the podcast with this, a friend of mine Mike Carell the guy who did this documentary on me Yeah and he was helping do a lot of the grunt work and um he ended up selling his house and going to live with his wife and dogs on the road in an RV and so, wow. he, yeah, a crazy life change. And so he had to drop out. So then I, all of a sudden I was dealing with it by myself. So I haven't really been able to, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're busy juggling a, a, yeah. a, a full, an art career and a freaking um, uh, a podcast. Yeah. Like that is, yeah. You know, how that's it is. a lot of work, yeah. you know, like, you know, fortunately, like, you know, um, I, I've, I also have a podcast. Yeah. Let's talk called, about your uh, podcast. Who's helping you? Yeah. What's it called? It's called Robot and the Bear. Robot and, and the Bear. And Robot and the Bear. And Robot is Eric Nakamura from Giant Robot. Mm-hmm. And Bear is, I guess, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, for those of you who aren't familiar, my I'm best known for this kind of anthropomorphized, like, bear-like character. Um, there's also a story behind that. I'll tell that, okay. you know, after uh, okay. next. And um, so, like, and basically it is very similar to your podcast. Um, Eric Nakamura of Giant Robot owns the Giant Robot Gallery on Sawtell in West Los Angeles. And, you know, so we have this kind of dynamic between a gallery owner and um, an oh, artist. that's a cool idea. That's a good idea, you know? yeah. And we we talk a that's lot different. about, like, like you know, we, we talk a lot about, like, what's been going on, you know, um, what it's like, you know, being a gallery owner versus being artists. Like, I don't know, the, do you remember, like, I'm sure you remember this. Like in the early like 2000s, like before the recession, like there were so many artists out there that were like, "Fuck the 50 percent commission." Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to open my own gallery. Right. Yeah. I'm, okay, yeah. You know, I'm going to do it right. We're going to do it right this time. They, you know, and where are they now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. After I always I always say this on the show: curate, curating shows and working so. Closely with Copro, I completely support the fifty percent uh, commission thing. Right? Yeah, there's no way oh there would be galleries if if you didn't have the fifty percent commission because they struggle as much as artists do. You know. You know. Here's the thing, and I, you know, this is the reason why I show almost ex- sell my work almost exclusively through galleries, and I don't sell my I. I if you're like a VIP, like uh, no um, collector, mm-hmm. and like have spent like tens of thousands of dollars like buying my artwork, then I will consider the, the just consider mm-hmm. doing a commission for you because of the fact that like it is so important in my eyes, like to get your work seen by as a wide audience as you possibly can in person you know, we were talking about yeah in person we were talking about this actually um before um we started recording about like yeah you could like look at artwork on instagram but all you're really getting out of instagram is the idea right you're not really getting a feel for the the physical artwork itself um 
you know, like if I, you know, you work big, you know, and I, and I do some big works too. And, you know, you stand in, st- in front of a three foot by four foot canvas or a four foot by five foot canvas, you know. Oh yeah. There's no comparison. Yeah. yeah you're not going to get the, the same feeling off of, from mm-hmm. a freaking you know, a, a freaking iPhone or right. a tablet. Right. You know, and you know, you you won't you won't get the feel of the the texture or the you know, or, or the brush or mm-hmm. the the like, and then like the the colors can be wrong because not right. only like you know is are you like you know, dictated by the the camera, but you're also dictated by like the quality of your screen. Right. You know, yeah. and so it's just kind of like you know, um. Oops! Accidentally turned on my flashlight. Um, you know, <laughs> um, you're, you, you know, you, you know, it, to see it in person, to see work in person is incredibly important in my eyes. Like, so, you know, go out there, go to galleries, see, you know, yeah. what's going on, and then, like, you know, like just to keep the lights open in in these spaces, you know, to like, you know, see, like, you know, to have a staff managing and running this thing right. you know like you know people need to get paid and then on top of that like you know when i when i started showing a cannibal flower you know my original canvases were like 200 300 dollars yeah piece, same here <laughs> you know yep. and to get it to the a, a price tag where i can make a living where i'm not like having to like squeeze my brain for new ideas mm-hmm. every freaking you know day you know, like I, you know, the galleries were instrumental in helping me, like, recognize the demand mm-hmm. and elevate the price to raise the prices to a point where we could reach some sort of equilibrium. Right. You know, and like I, you know, as a self-conscious kind of, you know, like, you no know, artist, like I don't think I could have ever gotten my work to that price tag on my own. Right. You know, I, I would like, you know, I would like, like say if someone came to my, my, my studio and, you know, a a potential collector and I showed him the work and I said, and uh, here's my latest work. It's $5,000 or something like that. And if they give me a sideways glance, did I say five thousand? I meant three thousand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can you can kind of see. I I I know of some artists that are really great, and they haven't done any of the gallery shows at all, and they're selling and making a living selling directly online. Mm-hmm. But their prices, and it's like it's great for the collector because the prices are so cheap. They're like one hundred and fifty bucks for this amazing, like really good painting. And, right. and, and it's like, that's great for the collector right now, but you know, this, it just kind of goes to show that if you completely forego the gallery route with your career, it can really, it can keep you, your prices too low to be able to survive on. I mean, I wouldn't be able to survive on that. Oh, fuck. I mean, you've got yeah. a family. Yeah. Like, right. I'm, I'm lucky. I'm single. I'm right. just like sitting here, like, you know, like spending all my, my money on food and freaking toys, you know, but like, right. you know, but like, you know, it's, um, so they're, they're you know, important. That, they're important. They, they are. And I think that like, you know, it, that's great. If you're, you know, if it, it's a great way, I guess, of starting, mm-hmm. like, you know, like I, I've like seen like Copro gallery, like reach out to artists on Etsy and stuff like that mm-hmm. to like, you know, show in their, in their space. And, 
it 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 can be i think in this modern era like where you know we were lucky because we had a cannibal flower you know venue yeah. to you know get a start at like what was great about cannibal flower in my eyes was the fact that like you know you your work is being hung next to so many like this lit this plethora of different artists of accomplishment and style right you know and it really helps you kind of focus and refine your voice very quickly mm-hmm. you know because like you know you're, you come in there you're you know, if you're anything like, you know, myself, you know, you're feeling really self-conscious right. and kind of uncertain about what you're doing, you know, and then you see your work and you see it next to, you know, someone else and, you know, who just happens to be like a much better painter. And you're just like, holy shit, like I got to fucking like, right, you know, right. I got to step my game yeah. up, you know, <laughs> and um, it's. Um, yeah, it was inspiring to go to those shows, you know, and so. That kind of thing, obviously, now that Cannibal Flower is gone, it's become Art Bar, which is in Venice. That LC L. Krosky, who oh, I didn't know, part- I didn't know about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, L. Krosky, who's a partner at ThinkSpace Gallery, mm-hmm. which you know, uh, with Andrew Hosner, um, it, uh, has opened up a bar in Venice called Art Bar, hmm. and um, I haven't been there either because it's out in Venice. Yeah, we, both of us we live out on the east side, right? So yeah. <laughs> you, you even more east than yeah. me. <laughs> Where are you, you know? at? Are you, you, uh, I'm in San Gabriel. Oh, okay, okay, right. Yeah, you know, so just uh, east of downtown right. Los Angeles, right. you know, but like um, right there in the Chinatown area right. of um, you know of the SGV. Though Monrovia, you you live in Monrovia, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that did I, did I just say something that did I just out you? No, I think people know I live in Monrovia. <laughs> I've <laughs> no. mentioned it before. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Monrovia is great, though. Yeah, so it's, it's cool. It has got a ton of, like, you know, according, I have another friend who lives in Monrovia. Um, have you, are you familiar with Jeru? J, uh, uh, Jesse Yu? He's a sculptor. He did um, this series of, like, dunnies that are, like, kind of gothic and, like, has, like, all this filigree. And, What's his, you know, how do you spell it? J-R-Y-U. He's, I, um, I met one artist that lived in Monrovia, but I don't know if this is him or not. He's a he's Asian. He's also done your sculpture show once. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but wow. um, yeah, yeah his cool. work's his work is dope. Yeah. Um, he he also lives in Monrovia, and apparently, like, there's like a, a ton of like noodle places that are opening up, you know, in the area. Yeah, my kid is always finding the. The latest noodle place. <laughs> he, he's he's my connection. I don't never leave the house. He's like my connection to the outside world in Monrovia. <laughs> yeah, I want to go to that that place. That remember that place that you, that we went to and we met up at that uh, like a dumpling house. <coughs> Who do it was like a group oh. of us went. Do you remember that? It was like 10 years ago, maybe, or vaguely, vaguely. It was in San Gabriel. It was really good. It was like real kind of open and big and lots of mm. people were in there. Wow. Um, Din Tai Fung? No, I no, don't I don't know. think I've been to a Din Tai Fung with you. I do recommend Din Tai Fung. If you're ever in Southern California, you know, go to Din Tai Fung. Din Tai Fung, it where is, is the it? Best. Is, um, there is one in the um, Santa Anita Mall. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's um the best best fucking dumplings you'll find 
in the United States and if not the world. Wow. Because they are a huge like chain of uh, it's, it's a Taiwan based restaurant and like they they've kind of spread out globally. And the, I've been to Din Tai Fung's in California, Philippines, Singapore, Thai, the original one in Taiwan, the one in you know Beijing. And the consistency is solid wow. all the way around, you know, like it. Yeah, super good. So, okay. anyways, dumpling talk with Tezar. <laughs> <too. laughs> I was I, I I'm I'm bummed that you, I wish I would have remembered who went. You were absolutely there. I don't remember who else was there. Maybe Lola or something might have gone, but mm. I I it was so delicious, and I and I forgot the name of it, and and it's something I always have been meaning to ask you about for like ten years. <laughs> But it's like, you know, I see you once every six months at an art show or something. Right, right. <laughs> and then I forget. <laughs> it's tough. It, 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 you know, that's a, the, one of the problems with, like, living in, like, especially Los Angeles is that, like, restaurants just come in and out, right. in and out, yep. in and out, you know. And very few of them actually kind of have the staying power of, um, you know, uh, like, you know, say – I don't know. There, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's like, you know, a canters or something right, like right, that, right, which has right. been around for like, you know, ever, Yeah. you know, so, you know, but like, you know, that's, um, you know, one of the things that like, it's been one of the perks for me is that like, you know, I, I've, you know, I actively kind of try and meet restaurateurs, you know, because, you know, I love food, you know, mm-hmm. and like, and apparently like, you know, it's, I, I kind of, um, reckon, uh, uh, you know, kind of like illustrate it like it's a collecting thing. Like, you know, artists right. collect restaurateurs and restaurateurs collect artists because <laughs> they need people to decorate the restaurants. Right. <laughs> you know? Have you been to, I have to bring up Zello. Have you been to Zello? No. Oh my God. Okay. That's where we have to meet. We have to go. Okay. It's, it's a pizza place. It's Where's in, that? It's in Arcadia. It's like on the okay. Monrovia Arcadia border. It's, it's, I talk about it. Everybody knows about Zello, like who listens to this podcast because I talk about it all the time. <laughs> and like they all know me when I go in there. They're like, hey, you know, it's like it's I've been going there for so long. But that's that's the place I go whenever I have to have lunch with somebody or want to, you know, have a meeting or something. I, I go to Zello because it's cornmeal crust, kind of oh, this gourmet oh. cornmeal crust pizza is really I've good. I've been there once. Oh, OK. I've been there once, but we should meet up there anyway. Yeah, yeah. You and I don't hang out enough. I know. <laughs> I know. We live so close. You know it's what's like funny is that like artists. going back to the podcast, you and I have the exact same kind of like uh, lamp, you know, um, like mic stand. Oh, <laughs> oh really? The, I just got the, this. I just got this because I was whole. I had mine. My I've got the Yeti, the blue Yeti, and mm-hmm. uh, I, it just came with a little stand. So I was like putting it on a box, and I was like, "Fuck this! This is annoying." So I just bought this the other day. But the the same kind of like cover that you know you, you use to the kind pop, of pop cut screen. out the hard yeah. S's, the pop you know, thing. You know, it's a, it's the exact same. That, cause I was you know the spring sounds and stuff yeah, like that. It's like like. I, oh, that that shows up in our podcast all the time too. <laughs> yeah, funny we're we're on parallel parallel uh paths in life kind of. So, I'm I'm curious about like, you know, your podcast with the uh, you know, it's obviously it's a, a dark art, you know, um, you know, uh like insp- uh 
focused yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's you know. Yeah, yeah. Do you like you know how like like I mean you this is show one hundred and thirty six. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like that's a lot of fucking artists. I know. Well, the thing is, it's not only dark artists for one thing. I mean, the whole idea was uh, just to kind of promote the the dark art thing and and help legitimize it as a movement. And, Mm -hmm. um, but the first, you know, I don't know how many podcasts were mostly Mike and I just bullshitting about topics. And then once in a while we'd have an artist on to interview and that this is going to be 137 actually. Oh, 137. Yeah. Okay. NC Winters was 136. Oh, NC Winters is great. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He was great on the podcast. He's going to start a podcast or he's thinking about starting the podcast and he's so good at speaking. I was like, dude, you got to definitely do it. Um, mm-hmm. but around, oh, the, he's great. Yeah. He's super cool guy and really mm-hmm. super talented. But, um, but yeah, we, we, once he left, I started just doing artists cause I can't, you know, I can't, I'm not really good at sitting there talking. I don't know. Nobody would want to hear just me talking for two hours. So <laughs> I, you'd then, be surprised. <laughs> you would be surprised. <laughs> but then I start, once he left, I think it was around episode in the eighties, maybe somewhere or 90 or something like that. Then um, I just started doing an artist a week, and it's at first I was worried like, oh, there's not going to be enough artists, so I'm going to run out. But there's so there's not like I'm not afraid of running out for years because mm. I, I started listing them, and I was like, wow, that's a lot of artists. And then on top of that, there's just new ones coming all the time, and so there's people that have been on my list like you for a year or whatever that are, that mm-hmm. I just haven't even got to yet. So there's so many artists out there. So all the artists that were featured in your group show at Copro Gallery were um, artists that have been on the show. Well, a lot of them were. That was the original idea. And then Gary kept adding and going, hey, this artist is dark and cool. And I was like, all right. So then then it just became a dark art show with a lot of people that have been on the, the podcast. But that was the original idea. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you were, and you recorded like while you're at the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. a couple episodes ago. I posted that. If you want to hear it, it's it's like one thirty five, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it was fun. Sorry, I'm 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 I've got that like. Are you resorting to reverting to the interviewer? <laughs> you know, inter- <laughs> interviewing me on my podcast. <laughs> it, it, I understand. I think it's because, like you know, like I I I've talked so much about myself on my own podcast that I'm just like, ah, oh, do I really need to talk about myself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you gotta you gotta imagine yeah, that, no, you no, know, no. the people so, that, yeah. people that don't know you and uh, okay, okay, okay. Let's yeah, get back. Let's so, get back like, to you. Let's get back to it. Okay, so um, where'd you go to school? What, that you you didn't mention. I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Oh, okay. Um, I grew up in the city of Fresno, which oh, um, is a shithole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard. Um, <laughs> you know, if you um, ever have the unfortunate, you know, pleasure of going to the Central Valley, and um, you know, you look around in that wasteland, you know, um, which was, I think, nice in the seventies, you know, but like it just kind of. Like, you know, it got really gangy. There's a lot of gangs out there. Mm -hmm. And um, it just kind of like, you know, went to shit. And um, I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which is in the Central Coast, and is probably one of the more, you know, 
nicer parts of California. Mm-hmm. It's um, right between three hours north of Los Angeles, three hours south of San Francisco, which was nice because it gave me the opportunity to kind of go up and down to like LA and San Francisco for shows and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mostly music shows because at the time, like I just kind of like did not like, I was not a big art person at the time because I was a design person. At the right. Time, right. You know, and, um, I, um, you know, the, I went to school there and it was, it was weird because it was the, it was this really conservative, small town kind of, you know, university environment. And it was like, I, they had a huge young Republicans kind of like group there. Yeah. And I was like, I do not want to be here. This, this fucking, <laughs> this, this university sucks, you know? And, but then like there was an, uh, another, it was a, a student in the photo department who had a show in the library there. And, um, I forgot what his name was, but he later on became the, um, he worked for, he later on was like the photo director for big brother magazine and then he went on to like being mm. like the art director for the Larry Flint publishing and stuff like that. But, you know, he, he had this photo show and he was doing these gigantic, like three foot by four foot photographic prints of like, you know, like just crazy shit. Like he like did a reprint of a, a, a of a Robert Maplethorpe image mm. Um, it was his self-portrait. In case you're not familiar with Robert Maplethorpe's self-portrait, it's a photo of Robert Maplethorpe with his back to the camera, you know, his legs spread, a bullwhip coming out of his asshole, you know, and him kind of <laughs> <laughs> looking back. And this is in the fucking library of one of the most conservative campuses in fucking San Luis Obispo, you know. And then he had another one, and he had a photograph of a, a mutual friend of ours, Chris Pontius. Um, Chris Pontius later on went on to fame for being a member of Jackass right. and um, as Party Boy and, you know, the guy who would like, you know, rip all his clothes off in the middle of a Japanese department store with nothing but a bow tie and a mm-hmm. speedo and <laughs> start dancing around. But he has a watch face tattooed on the shaft of his penis. <laughs> and like one of his favorite party tricks was to like drop his wrist down, you know, around his crotch and then wrap his penis around his wrist and go, Hey, what time is it? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, he had, he had a picture of like a a close cropped in photo of him doing the watch face thing, you know, and then he had another one of him with a tiny kitten sitting, you know, on his naked crotch. And I was like, you know, you know, stimulating, simulating the idea that he is, you know, I guess, fornicating with this tiny kitten uh-huh. and like there was these gigantic photographic black and white prints with chemicals splashed all over the place you know and it looked like it was like tiled together like a bunch of like different photos like tiled together and some of them were off and some of them were like registered and everything mm-hmm. and i was just like if this guy can fucking have a career i can can do a thing in this fucking campus then i can right. and so i decided to stick with it and um you know it was um because I, I, if I dropped out of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, I didn't really have anywhere else to go but back to Fresno. And, you know, San Luis Obispo, like, is kind of like a paradise in mm-hmm. California. Yeah, it's really and, nice there. Oh, it's beautiful. Like, you're 15 minutes north of Morro Bay, 15 minutes, I mean, 15 minutes north of Pismo Beach, 15 minutes south of Morro Bay. You know, if I'm not a beach person, 
but like you know it's, it's beautiful out there yeah. and so I, I, I stuck through it and that's kind of where i discovered you know my um ability or talent or whatever to you know to draw and um so i lived out there and then i before I graduated, I got hired by a company called the Ernie Ball Company. They oh, manufacture wow. guitars and guitar strings. Yep. Um, at the time, Sterling Ball, er- Ernie's son, uh, was taking over the company. His and name is Sterling Ball? His name is Sterling Ball. His- <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I guess his dad had a sense of humor. Yeah. Oh, he definitely had a sense of humor because, like, you know, one of his first, um, il- uh, one, uh, one of the big illustrators that he hired, um, you know, like when he was still like a kid, like in Southern California, was Piz. Oh wow! Yeah, you, you know, like you know, and like so, like you know, the the Ernie Ball Company always had like you know a kind of like focus on like fun cartoonish that's true i never, I never so. thought about that but i used to buy you know those guitar strings all the time and and it mm-hmm. does didn't click until until now that they had those cool cool drawings yeah. on there yeah and the, before that it was a guy who used to work for disney i can't remember his name but like he was from that entire like 1960s era like disney stuff like uh who's the who's the one female illustrator that like everyone loves i can't remember um i, can't then remember. I, I i'm not a disney head yeah i'm not really either. <laughs> no so you know but like like the person there's this one one woman who did like i think she did like a bunch of like cinderella kind of mm. stuff and you know and mm-hmm. it's very flat and 2d and stylized right you know but like um a lot of, there was like you know at the time like you know disney had a uh, an army of crazy super talented artists illustrators and uh, ernie ball like hired him and then he hired piz and then um i guess you know not to put myself up with giants but like you know i i kind of like came in like in the you know the mid to late 90s and ironically like you know the or amazingly you know in the first year i was working there two of my um i did a bunch of t-shirt designs and they got chosen to be in communication arts and print, you know, design international like um, design awards, which was at the time when I was going to school, kind of like my wet dream was mm-hmm. to be featured in that magazine because I would like, you know, stare at the magazine and like, you know, look thumb to the pages and basically like steal ideas from, you know, all these, you know, real working, you know, designers. And that's basically kind of like how I discovered like Gary Baseman and like mm-hmm. all these other like, you know, kind of big wigs in the movement that we are right. like the, the wider movement that we are a part of. Right. You know, and um, so the um, what was it to say? But like, you know, or, but, you know, while I was in San Luis Obispo, like time to get back into the darker side of it all, I was introduced to, you know, I was bored. Because it's a small town, right. you know, and I, um, I want, I got tired of like, you know, drinking myself to, you know, to happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of started hanging out with a bunch of locals, and you know, next thing you know, I got like caught up in the first like big wave of like, you know, Purdue Pharma's OxyContin, you know, right. like push, and you know, then you know that was a big fucking mess, and. You know, I, you know, got strung out through that. And then, like, 
you know, eventually like, you know, and like at the time there was a bunch of crank being like sold around here, around San Luis Obispo. And I was doing like really crappy quality crank and, wow. you know, and all that shit. And, you know, got fired from Ernie Ball. Oh and, shit. What a <laughs> bummer, know, man. And was working for, fortunately like Sterling and I are still like, friends and like i'll um and he, he, he knows like, does he know you're sober and all now and everything yeah. oh good good yeah he does he That's does good. and you know he like you know he, like i i still go out and like you know hang out with him once in a while oh, cool like young talk and you know we're still friends and you know we, we keep on talking about doing a project together but like you know it's you know kind of like tough to kind of take on like you know to, to shift gears to doing something completely different right. you know and, um but yeah. like so I, um, uh, you know, I retreated to Los Angeles in 2003 to kind of like just, you know, get away from the <coughs> self-destructive cycles that I was in. Hmm. And so you left, you left there to get away from that whole scene. You came yeah, to I come left, to LA. I came, I came to LA where my parents lived. Oh, okay. Cool. You know, and, right. um, you know, that's when I, my one college friend that like I was like still really good with was living out here. And, um, she introduced me to some of her friends who had shown with, um, LC and cannibal flower. Ah. And I was like, Oh, cool. You know, this is, you know, and I was trying to find work and I was like, now I took the advice of my professors, like, like look into illustration, you know? Um, but like, I had no idea how to right. like, you know, what does that mean? Look into illustration. It's like, okay, <laughs> okay. what does that mean? <laughs> like, like, how do I sell myself? Yeah, how do I right. like, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I, um, you know, went to, um, uh, like, you know, I went to my first, my first cannibal flower show. I think actually I remember it was May of 2003. Damn. You got and, one of those good memories where you can, well, it's because I, I remember the very first show I did was June of 2003. And then I, my first sale was July of 2003. I don't remember you know, so. any, I don't remember my first <laughs> sale. I don't remember the date of my first show. I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure what year my kid was born. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. It's like I have to think about it. I no, always no, like well, count his age backwards to figure it out. I just don't have one of those kind of memories. All right. Well, you know, it, 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 I guess it was it, it, that. Like everything else after that was a big fucking blur. Right. But like you know, again, it was that moment of clarity. That right. I had. Right. Right. And um, so like I um, you know, came out. My friends kind of gave me like hint a hint like you know with lc you got to bug him all the time to get into it because like i didn't really like you know have anything behind me you know to right. say that like i'm an artist that should be a part of this show he was you know? pretty good and, about letting people in though if he if he just thought the work was you know good good enough that, or though. decent he, that's i mean that was oh you didn't you didn't know it at the time right yeah, yeah. yeah or I maybe he that. wasn't that much like that i don't know no, I, I just kind of bugged him, left messages all the time, and then, like, you know, went to his apartment, saw his apartment. His apartment is literally every inch is covered in artwork, yeah. you know, small pieces, right. large pieces, yeah. you know, it's insane. And, um, you know, I showed him my stuff, and he, like, you know, said, okay, you could be a part of the show. And, like, at the time, I wasn't working. 
I wasn't, you know, like, you know, I didn't have a job. It's I so was doing funny. some freelance. I, it's just so funny because I think about my impression of you meeting a <laughs> cannibal flower. <laughs> I don't know. I thought of you as like an established artist already. <laughs> yeah, I just assumed like I was late to the party because I always just felt that way because I, I was older than a lot of people because I, I didn't start till I was like 33, I think. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2000, something like that. But anyway, I'm sorry, go on. It's just funny. Yeah. You know how it is, your perceptions of things versus the reality. Oh, well, <laughs> I moved to L.A. on March 5th, two days before my 30th birthday. You know? <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> um, so I, here I am. I'm 30 years old. I've gotten, I'm broken because of addiction issues. I'm like back at my mom and my dad's right, house right, you know right. like i've got nothing going on oh my god on. yeah <laughs> you know so like, did, did you have your your style that the, the what no, you were doing well i mean i had some i had like through the classes that i was taking like um one of the things that a teacher kind of suggested to me was like you know in our life drawing classes is like we would take like long sticks and like dip them in ink and then like you know from a distance like a foot you know between the canvas and the um uh, or the, the paper and the and the hand we would try and draw oh that's a cool you idea. know the you know form and like you'd get these crazy loose ink right. kind of like things and it was like i was so in love with like this raw like like thick and thins and like mm-hmm. you know kind of you know at the mercy of like how the stick holds the ink, right. you know, kind of um, thing. So that was one of the things that I held on to. But like, I did not know how to paint for shit. Wow, I did not know how to paint for shit. So, so you know how I, you know how I, <laughs> the way I—that's the reason why my characters are these white colors—is because like at first I had the like, okay, well, um, white implies innocence, you know, right. you know. And meanwhile, black implies not innocent. So. You know, since one of the themes that I loved playing with was the innocence lost theme, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, having like these white characters and, you know, kind of like makes it easier for me to, you know, like render the paint these things and, (laughs) you know, whatever. But like, I did not know how to shape shade, you know, for shit. So what I would do at the time in the beginning was I would literally like graphite you know like fill, uh, render the with graphite the the edges and you know use my thumb to you know blend. <laughs> over the paint <laughs> over the paint oh wow <laughs> well, know, which is hey it's being resourceful you know They're, yeah it's you being know, creative like I, I, and I, resourceful i just didn't know and then like i would like you know like use the loose ink to to line my work at the time and then i would top coat it with like you know a matte finish and it would like just bring it all together right you know and um it it took me years to finally get to a point where like and i'm still learning how to like do the, the shading and blending and stuff like that and you know but like it's you know and i i paint with acrylic paint mm-hmm. because i'm i don't know i i it's just i just like being able to you know kind of like go over the work, you know, very quickly, yeah, you know, the with speed, the different things. The speed is convenient. The speed are you aspect. with, um, are you oil or are you, yeah, um, acrylic? I'm oil. Yeah. I started with acrylic, so mm-hmm. I do know how to paint in acrylics, but, um, a few years back I was like, oh, I'm going to try and do, you know, uh, 50% acrylic and then finish it in oil. And then I started doing the acrylics. I was like, this dries too fast. I can't deal with it. It was so right. hard for me. Like it was drying on my palette. And it was yeah. like, wow, you take that for, I just got in the, 
it, you know, I, I came from acrylics, got into oils and it was like, how am, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. It takes forever to dry and blah, blah. I had to try all this stuff. And then I finally got my process down to where it dries overnight. So I would, I got into this kind of habit of doing everything in a, in a sitting that I wanted to get done or as far as I could, then letting it dry, then going back the next day when it's dry and do another layer, which is kind of still uh-huh. how, I, how I paint today. So it's just a different way of, you know, it's not like you can do it in a few minutes, you know, right. with, with a hair dryer, which is great about acrylic, but I, right. love, I love the feel of oils and. Well, your work lends itself, you know, like yeah, beautifully with oil paints, you thanks. know, and you get, you get, you get like, you know, yeah, you know, it, 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 it I mean, it makes sense to, um, you know, do the, um, uh, to do oil work with your work though. I, been kind of thinking pretty hard about oils recently just it's not so because fun, i want it's not so because fun. i want the blending but because like i am a big fan like my work as of recently has kind of been shifting away from like at, you know like i've finally let go of the line outline mm, that i wow. you know i've been doing you know and you know, i've been just using paint to kind of and, and like contrasting colors, you know, or not just contra- conscious in general to help push, right. pull the character out mm-hmm. of the, the background. But like, and, and of course I've taught myself how to shade with painting and with, with paint as well. But like now it's kind of like, I'm, I'm a big fan of like this kind of palette kind of like big fat textures on, mm-hmm. on canvases and stuff like that. And like, I just can't, like, heavy golden, uh, get golden heavy acrylic just doesn't do it. You can do you know? so much cool stuff with oils with as far as textures and splatters and using terps to, you know, as far as getting weird abstract, you know, background mm-hmm. blotches. You can do a lot of really neat stuff with it. Um, yeah. I don't know. You should, it's worth checking out. You should come by and we should play one day. And I would love to. Absolutely. Actually, because I, 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 I mean, I've taken, I took one like, you know, back when I was still in, in like high school and in Fresno, I took a an oil painting class, and so I kind of understand the 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 basic mechanics of it, mm-hmm. but like I just never like you know I, I haven't been there yet. I haven't yeah. I haven't gone there yet. Yeah. You know, it's so fun. It's fun. you know, to uh, it'd, it'd be great to see like how like you know someone would because like what what I was doing in that class was like here's an oil painting a, a finished oil painting recreate that painting right you know and I'm just like this sucks I fucking hate it <laughs> the, the main thing I, I tell the people that haven't painted in oils before is use use a medium use liquid oil mm-hmm. medium because that mm-hmm. it make you mix a little bit and whatever paint you're painting just mm-hmm. a tiny little dab into your paint and then it dries overnight because that's the sticking point for a lot of new oil painters is they can't deal with it taking – they paint really thick. They don't use a medium, and then it takes like two weeks to dry. But if you do, you know, use liquid in it – and I, I paint kind of thin, so it dries mm-hmm. overnight easily. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, yeah. I can put it in front of a heater and dry it in like 30 minutes or 40 minutes if I have to also. Mm. I, I, I'm – yeah, I'm – yeah, it's. I, I think. I, I mean, you need like a turpen, turpentineish kind of medium, regardless, to um, break up the paint. Yeah, you? but you. Yeah, but you. I use mostly to thin my paint. I use liquid. It's like because it's, it's like a dryer. You know, it works as a dryer, but it also works as a a thinner. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's 
It's great. It, it was like, it was, that's when I figured out liquid, I was like, oh, that's oil painting. Now I get it, you know, because, <laughs> you know, in the modern day, you got to have stuff done. You can't wait two weeks for a layer to dry. No, no, that's uh, the reason why I don't frame my artwork. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it's like, it, it takes so long to like, you know, find a framer who can belt all the pieces out like, you know, timely like right. what oh i'm gonna need a month to yeah. get done. i'm like <laughs> i've got a show next week <laughs> <laughs> luckily i got a framer that will do that in a pinch for me in a oh, that nice. nice yeah hadas yeah. He's, he's awesome oh yeah it, it's oh, and it always screen. kind of feels like you know it's it's the reason why i like when i when i first started painting for cannibal flower i um I immediately went to cradled ampersand boards, mm-hmm. you know, because it was just like, all right, these are ready to go. These are ready right. to hang, <laughs> you know, like I don't need to like, you know, worry too hard uh, about, you know what, the, a tip for those, um, the, um, those cards, we, we usually, yeah, the yeah. Pop, yeah, we usually have them resting on top of the microphone. Oh, but these microphones though, you're supposed to talk in the side and not in oh. the top. That's what it said. Oh. That's what it says. Let me see. No, but, but we just have the we just have it like kind of like this over it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, a, we, don't, we don't smush it down. We let the lip of the the guard like just hang okay. off of it, and it'll just it'll just hold. It'll still work. You know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm set. I'm set with my pop screen now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In case you guys aren't like you know uh, didn't know we record this with um, video. You know they'll. Obviously, right, it's, right. It's, we can you know, see each so other I'm, talk. So he's watching me fumble with my pop screen. It keeps falling <laughs> off. <laughs> you know, and um, but like, you know, so I, I, just, I just wanted to give him like, you know, an amateur tip. Yes, you know, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate I it. still consider myself an amateur for, <laughs> in, in podcasting. I only have, well, I think we're going to be on 37, you know, with uh, this week. Yeah, I think but, they um, say you got to make it to 40. That's the most, yeah. most podcasts fail by 40 or something like that. So if you make it past 40, you're good. That's what I've yeah, heard. That's uh, yeah. That's the, that's the goal. So we'll see. One, see one o- I don't know. One other great thing about oils that you don't get with acrylics that I love. Yes. Is you can paint an underpainting, have it dry. You can paint all your values. You know your darks and lights. You can kind of do a whole painting in black and white, and then mm-hmm. glaze in color transparent mm-hmm. glazes of color. But you can paint it on, and then if you don't like it, you can wipe it off completely. Really? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I've got on my, my Patreon, I've got a really good tutorial about that where it's like I'm showing basic glazing techniques. And I try different colors because you can, you know, you can paint it on and it's like, uh, I don't really like that. And you just wipe it off. You could use a little bit of um, terps or whatever in a rag and just wipe it and start Right. Up, like start some sort over. of solvent to, but doesn't it like, you know, get caught up into the tooth of the canvas? Not really, no. And, and if you're working on board, it's it's less of an issue as well. Unless you've got like right. really a lot of texture in there, it can. But um, mm. yeah, it's great. It's great. And if you paint, you, you can know, paint over stuff. And if it's not working, you just wipe it off and start over. It's great. So so okay. You know what? Let, let let's talk a little bit about technique because okay. you mentioned something. Because I've got questions. Okay. And um and that is underpainting. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do not underpaint. I okay. just kind of go straight on. I, mm-hmm. I, I will like transfer the uh, what I usually the way I usually do things. I'll sketch it out in my sketchbook. I will either take a now I used to scan it in on a flatbed, but now I that the phones are so good, right. I can just take a quick you know 
shot with my phone and then I'll open it up in Photoshop. I will size it up, mm -hmm. pop it in, you know, tile it out and then like print it up on a laser printer, like tape the pieces of paper together, yep. Yep. drop it over the canvas and then put, put a piece of transparent paper underneath it. And I'll just uh, sometimes I'll paint the I usually gesso black because, yeah. you know, I like, you know, they, that like, you know, dark to light right. kind of thing. And my work is generally kind of dark anyways. Mm -hmm. And then I can, because I found that like black carbon paper is really hard. Is It's tough to transfer from, you know, the black carbon paper, but using a white carbon paper, like because the, um, the carbon paper is, or a white transfer paper, the, um, the white is so kind of almost like crayony and chalky, right, right. like, you know, sketch and you know, transferring over the the general idea is pretty like it comes up really clean and noticeable right. you mm -hmm. know and then i'll just start like you know like doing fill, you know filling it in yeah, or that's I'll, cool you know but like so underpainting underpainting why <laughs> um that's you know what part of it is that's just the way i learned that's the way my dad used to paint so i grew okay. up around it um it just seems then like I, a, a step, an, that, extra, an step. extra step, <laughs> right? It's it's also like I like to have areas that are you know I'm a big Frazetta fan, you know, mm. and Frazetta yeah. Frazetta did a lot of those amazing underpaintings, and yeah. he has that that uh, the underpainting showing through sometimes where he hasn't even touched the paint there. He's painted, oh. and there's like this you get this really transparent underpainting showing through in certain areas like in shadows and stuff so mm -hmm. i i like to do that sometimes um i like it, it's for me it's like i use it as whereas you're transferring the image i'm mm -hmm. doing the underpainting like i'll do mm -hmm. a sketch and then i'll just have it you know unless it's a likeness even even then if it's a likeness sometimes i can fake it but if it's like a portrait that has to be exact sometimes i'll, I'll do what you're doing where you transfer it just because likenesses right. are so hard yeah. But um, generally I'll draw, fig do a sketch, doodle, figure out what my basic idea is. And then I'll paint it in, um, paint the underpainting as my, as my drawing kind of mm. that way I'm darkening, I'm toning the canvas. Because, so, mm -hmm. so, you know, you're not painting on white, white is very uh, stark and kind of yeah. thro throws you off as far as values, your values are because it's so yeah. bright. So mm -hmm. I'll paint it all like raw. I've been using lately this cool raw umber from this company called Vas Vasari, which is these fancy expensive oil paints. But this one color they have is really good. It's this real neutral raw umber. So I'll paint that all over. And then I'll basically paint, you know, uh, the uh, kind of a washy version of the painting. And, and it's I like it because you don't have to think about color at all. You know, you just dark more paint. That's the darker areas, less paint or even wiping it away. That's your highlights. Right. You know, so it's like, I can kind of get everything down in, in like a drawing form, which is basic, but just in uh, these Brown colors, right. just in one color, no mixing lights in just raw umber and terps to right. thin it. And then I, and then that usually I let that dry. So it's like, okay, there's my fixed drawing and I can paint on top of that. Right. Okay. And, you know, and then, and also, if well, you're, so does, does the does the raw umber, or I mean, like, because I know people who use like thiocyanide blues to do underpaintings, and mm -hmm. then you know, and like raw or burnt umbers make sense for underpaintings as well. But right. like, 
don't those things don't don't those pigments leave kind of like a tonal like a subtle tonal quality to the uh, overpainting? I don't know. I don't yeah. think it's what's called. But, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. But but you know you you work with that. You know, it's like you're, you're almost. It's I think it's called um, optical grays or optical mixing, where you're painting on top of it, and you might do like a scumble, which is like that. You know, you're where it's not opaque, but it's not transparent. It's kind of like in between, where you kind of sure. scrub it on there, and mm-hmm. that will give you a not the color you're painting, and not the color that you're painting on top of, but something in between those two. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like you you use the under color to make new colors as you're painting and, and, you know, um, so does, do the pigments that you're painting over it ever reactivate the pigment underneath it? No, no, not with oils. No, no. no. Oils, okay. once they're dry, they're dry. You can't reactivate them. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah it's great. Like, like acrylic paint. Cause like, like, you know, yeah, but the thing is, the is that way, like right? you know, acrylic paint, like, you know, will leave a you know like because like you know getting you know paints to like dry opaque is like so fucking hard (laughs) to pull up you know um i I guess you're kind of using a similar kind of philosophy with oil painting you're just using you're building up layers and layers of washes and yeah um, stuff like that too Um, opaques and washes and kind of going back and forth and and it's cool too um with this kind of I don't know, like old mastery technique where you've, it's that Frazetta thing where, you, where you've got the underpainting coming through. So, you know, your shadow areas can be basically your underpainting with, and if, you know, say under a chin or something, that mm-hmm. can be like no paint except for your underpainting that you've already painted the shadow in. And then you're mm-hmm. painting all the opaques where the light is hitting the face, right? Everything's opaque. Mm. And then it's kind of fading. Wait, so you in. paint the underpainting that you, you, you paint a really like, it's not like a, a ghost of the painting. No, you're no, li- no. It's yeah. It, it's, it's a ghost of a painting in the shadow areas a lot of times, right. but mm. the, where the light's hitting it is opaque. So then you've get, you know, there's that principle of, uh, highlights are opaque. Shadows are translucent. So you've got mm. the, you really get depth in the shadows that way because it's not mm. it's not a la prima direct painting generally what I'm doing sometimes it is it's like a mix but uh, in the best case scenario you'll have that underpainting showing through in the shadow areas where it's dark and you can kind of glaze transparent colors over that to darken them further but there's still no opaque paint there so right. so then the opaque stuff looks really opaque and three dimensional and the shadow right. stuff really really looks pushed in the background and highlights come out right exactly Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's really you can get some really amazing effects that way so you know this this kind of brings up something that like i i'm always kind of curious what like other artists kind of how other artists feel about it like you know when you're um, you obviously create a very time intensive you know technique to create the effects that you know you uh, uh for the finished finished piece but like when you do when you go to art shows and you just watch the way your audience the audiences consume artwork mm. doesn't it does it bother you like just to see like five seconds here seven <laughs> seconds there <laughs> you know i it doesn't not really because you know mostly i when i go to art shows i feel self-conscious that i'm doing that 
Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's part two, right? Like, because like I will see my the way I consume artwork and like you know at art shows, and it pisses and you off, I'm, <laughs> and I'm like mad at myself because I'm looking at something that like it's obvious the artist spent days, right? Maybe right. Even, even months working on this piece, and I'm like giving it a solid seven seconds, right? You I know, know? I know. Maybe, and if it's really like it really catches my eye. It's got 15. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like, and I'm like, what the fuck? Why am I like, you know, what what, is this? Is this a byproduct of like, you know, social media? You know, just like this, like ADD world that, you know, we're we're currently being in. And, you know, but then like, you know, you, you start like looking at like, you know, like what is, like selling for stupid amounts of money. Right. You know, like, like cause for instance, or, you know, like, and it's just kind of like, you know, or, you know, and then you have like, you know, like, like a lot of this new pop art stuff where like, like, you know, Oh God, what's his name? I can't think of their names, but you have like so many fucking artists who are like deconstructing the Simpsons and deconstructing, you know, like, you know, um, you know, was, was that, fucking adult swim cartoon um what the uh something in marty no um you know the sign rick and morty old, rick, rick and morty you know and it's just kind of like uh, wh- what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> well that's i mean that's the, th- the thing that kind of drives me nuts and you know i can't blame people because i've bought art like this myself but Damn fucking pop screen. Okay. Oh, I got it. Okay. Don't touch it. Um, (laughs) Stuff that is recognizable, like cartoon characters or horror movie characters, that stuff sells so much faster than your own characters. That's the way as as much as I've got this, a fan base that's really into my work and they're into my characters. Still, when I need to make money, I do these little studies from horror movie, Uh, horror movies that I like. But yeah. and they're good practice because they're likeness and I'm doing it by eye and all that. So it's you know, it it's all good and I'm getting paid for it. But those things sell like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then this the character that you spend all this time trying to develop, this unique character that's never existed before, doesn't get the same amount of love. It's it's frustrating and it's like but but then again, I have bought from artists, I've bought, you know, images from my favorite horror movies that I grew up with. I've bought those paintings before, so I can't really say anything bad about it, but it is frustrating. Oh, I talk I talk shit about it on my podcast all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> and I will slam on cause if any opportunity if But comes the, but up. you know what? On that <laughs> on that level of success, I, I was just I'm right but like an hour before the pod we started recording this i was reading this article how they looked they used this algorithm and they got all the different writings in artists letters to each other and anytime an artist name anything that's logged online and you know in google or whatever they aggregated all those mentions of all these different famous artists and figured yeah. out that the one common thread they all have, the famous artists were knowing other famous people. And so the basic, oh, the basic, I, I, I read that one. Yeah. I read that one. Right. Yeah. And it's basically yeah. when you get on that high level, it's who you know. Yeah. More than oh, anything. It abso- more than abso- the artwork. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. 
You know, it's um, yeah, like you know, they were talking about like Murakami and like how he like hangs out with Kanye West and right. like you know all, all these other people, and then like then you see like all these other artists. Like one of my favorite artists, one of the artists that was hugely influential to my work was Yoshitomo Nara. And Yoshitomo Nara, if you're in case you're not familiar, yeah. he does these beautiful, beautiful paintings of like these child childlike kind of characters, and they're usually just like. This kid, little, this weird stylized childlike kid, you know, this almost like in a portrait, you know, mm-hmm. with very like minimalist kind of colors, but like his style is so distinct and so, you know, singularly Nara. And like, but now, like, there's a, a bunch of fucking wannabe Yoshitama Nara artists coming out, and their yeah. work is whack. In my eyes, but because <laughs> like maybe they like cause knows him, you know, and ca- or cause follows him them, and or they they have you know, Takeshi Murakami knows him, you know, like suddenly like they've got like two hundred fifty thousand followers, yep. you know, and it's just kind of like what the fuck is going on here, and it's literally just like you know, like the 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 art of kissing ass, sucking up. Yeah, that's that's you know, and that that's true in every aspect of the world. I think it's like who you know is so much a part of it. I mean, I've utilized that myself with the tool connection. You know, Mm. I've gotten opportunities because of the tool connection, um, but you know, it's not like I've ever you know gotten hooked up with. Uh, Gucci or something, and <laughs> Chetzar Gucci purses and shit that those guys have. But it's like they're in that world. They know those people. They run in the same circles, so opportunities yeah. come up. You know, yeah, yeah. But no, it's just it's, it's, it's so it's just it's it's wrong. It's just wrong. It's wrong in the same way that everything is wrong. It's wrong because. It's not based on merit and it's not based on talent. It's not based on how hard you work. It's based on who you know. And that's that's the way of the world, man. And that's why the no, world it, is so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, at the same time, it unfortunately is very much a reflection of human nature. Absolutely. You know, and like, you know, I, I guess, you know, what that means is that like we have to do paintings about this. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> call it out. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's one of the reasons I, and it's not intentional, but I do like the dark art stuff because it kind of, it's not something that you could put on a Gucci purse or on a, you know, whatever that, that you know, the, I'm thinking of. Those, I'm not really into that whole scene, but I know that no. they do these partnerships with like huge companies and, and, you know, these dudes are rich. I saw an article on cause where he lives, his house. Oh my God. He's fucking, well, he's like a one percenter now. He's like he, a rich he's dude. A fucking, he, he's a, he's a rich motherfucker, you know? And, and so he's, it's, you uh, know, more power to him. That's great. But I, it, it's, I guess what I, what I'm saying is I do like that the kind of rebel status of the dark dark art stuff it's harder to monetize in that way and it kind of is not you know the kind of people that would buy Gucci stuff are not going to like some 
freaky looking monster face. Well, you know what, what's what's funny is that so like, it, I just it, well, can't well, think of. Let me just finish this one point before. I, okay. Otherwise, I'll just forget it. But it's like it. Uh, it's the antithesis of anything that is commercially beautiful, beautiful and popular mm-hmm. in that way, like the J Lo way or the kardashian way it's like the polar opposite and i like that about it you know that makes oh, me proud absolutely. proud to be in, in, on that side of the fence <laughs> well you know i like, hate the other so side of the fence i'm not into that's it. well that's the thing is that like you know i have never identified with the JLos, the kardashians you know or like any of that like bubblegum pop shit yeah you're never. into the cure you know like, you I, love I, the I, cure, I, right don't you love the cure aren't you, you know, a cure it's fan <laughs> uh, it's funny because like you know like I remember having a conversation with an artist friend of mine and like we were kind of like saying like if there was a band that represents your work, you know, like what what band would that be? And, you know, my immediate like like the first thing that came to mind was The Cure. (laughs) Because like, you know, like if you like think about songs like say like In Between Days, you know, or like, you know, any of like the, you know, like the really fun kind of poppy like Cure songs that they did. And then, like you contrast it with the lyrics. Oh yeah, that, know, clo- that then, close to me song is so is like such a great, happy, upbeat song, and it's creepy. The lyrics are super creepy. It's creepy. Head on the door, yeah. and <laughs> or like or, or like even the song in between days. Like you know, the lyrics are like go on, go on, just go away, go on, go on. The choice is made. Go on, go on, and disappear. Go on, go on, away from here. Right, right. Like that's like you know, that's like some heavy fucking like you know like. Mm-hmm breakup shit right there yeah yeah. you know all under like you know this you know this like really fun poppy song you know yeah that, it's true you know, they it, sing, it's cool you know and i i've always kind of like and i felt like i remember like i i got in high school like you know when i was really you know when i was still a teenager and i was talking to a friend about about that song specifically that's the reason the reason why i could cite that example um i love that because, song it's a great song you know he like he brought that up because we were talking about the song in between days and mm-hmm. then like and I was like, oh, I love that song. It's like really kind of fun, you know, like, you know, it's a really fun song. And my friend was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, that's, that song is like morbid, <laughs> right. you know? And I was just, and like, I had an epiphany, you know, right. um, you know, then and there. But like, it's, um, you know, that like, you know, that kind of contrast in my, is a way of, is, is great. But, you know, like, but talking about like artists and like fashion companies, like I, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest. Like I'll do it. You know, <laughs> the, you know? I know that's the, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's like, if someone was holding a lot of money in front of you, what's your price? You know, at, at a point and where, like, and, and and if it makes sense, like right, to a certain right, degree, right, like right. you know, I like, mean, it could like, be cool to do something fucked up on a on a mainstream. That stuff yeah. kind of pushes culture in a way, it, which Absolutely. is which is cool, which is cool, and and it's and it's not, you know, it, you're right. It has to be right. If it's right, yeah, in your heart as an art as the artist, then yeah. it's all good. And it's like I'm not even criticizing that stuff necessarily, or those collaborations, but. I mean, like for what for what they're doing, like they're because they're doing bubblegummy pop art, right? And right. so, it kind of like it, it it works with that, like the, these huge, like high end, you know. I know, but lines, that's like, what I'm against, though, that, or that's what I don't <laughs> like because the world is falling apart, and art, <laughs> to me, art should be relevant to what's. Ha- I mean, this is just personally me, and mm-hmm. not every artist is this way, but I feel yeah. like, you know, if you're not 
somehow speaking to what's the 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 crisis we're in right now, mm-hmm. then you're just whacking off. You know what well, I mean? Okay. But but the but I'll preface that by or not preface it, but I'll add to that by saying. My artwork, I, I, I have the luxury of saying that because that's the way my artwork is. And it's not like it's intentionally that way. So it's like, <laughs> it's not like I'm making this big statement because I really want to paint nice things, but the world is so dark. So I have to paint dark stuff. It's this is what naturally comes out of me. So, right. Absolutely. Know. And well, here's, here, Everyone here's doing the thing. Like, you know, like, I'm, I, like, I, you know, when I think of like contemporary artists and fashion, like collaborations, I can only think of one that was in my eyes successful. Mm-hmm. And that one is Takeshi Murakami's Louis Vuitton series. Mm-hmm. And that the reason why is because and it was only mostly successful because like there all he did was he just tweaked the colors of the Louis Vuitton patterns right. and the you know <clears throat> and the backgrounds. And he did like there was some pieces that he did where he slapped a character on it, but like those were always this ugliest shit. Mm-hmm. And like, it was just like, you know, playing with something that was already like a signature of that, that brand. Right. Like I remember like I was looking at the, um, Gary Baseman coach stuff and I'm a big fucking Gary Baseman fan. He was one of those artists that was highly influential to me, but like, like, you know, fucking stitching up a, a Gary Baseman patch on a coach bag. Just Right. Seriously, like, <laughs> like I can think of so many other things that you could have done to that coach right. bag using your elements right. that would have been subtler and more high end looking. Right, you know, it feels like, like it feels like a cash grab. Yeah, which exactly. is like slap that on there and take the like, money. Look at me, I'm on a coach bag. It's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> great, good for you, but like you know, it it's not like really helping you in my eyes. Right, you know, so you know, it's not like your artwork wasn't strong enough on its own. It like it needed a fucking coach you know like the the, the fucking seas and shit like the, all over the fucking place but i don't know i mean that's, like it's it's part of the game though that's a different game you know it is i mean like i'm but i'm sure that there are like you know designers and brand uh, you know designers out there with a very cynical kind of sense of like aesthetic and you know taste that like would you know you, you, you that uh, an artist um, that would you know be on the show would easily collab be able to collaborate with, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I think what you said that it's or the 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 point you made that it was it has to be right, and you, I, I think it's a case by a case by case kind of thing, you know. Sure. And, and and like you said, honestly, it's like it would be hard to turn down. You know, in, in a way, I, I'm I'm fortunate in that way to where I have not had to make those choices in my career. Because on one hand, I would hate to I'd I'd hate to be in that position. I would I would hate to do something that my fans thought I was selling out and something that was cheesy like that. But you know, money is such an issue that it's hard. You know, it's hard. Okay, to, it's hard to turn. You know, to, it would be hard to turn something like that down. You know, you and I grew up in a time when the word selling out really meant, meant something. something. Yep. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, especially like, you know, in that like that window of the 90s, like selling out was a 
big fucking thing. And in the eighties, for for me in the eighties, it was too, especially getting the punk rock and. Oh yeah. I I will say, let me say this before you get into this topic. There is a, there is a spoken word album from Jello Biafra, the guy from dead Mm -hmm. Kennedy's, the leader of dead Kennedy's. And I was so into this spoken word stuff and he's very militantly anti mainstream culture, anti-commercial, very super, super on the left. And it was just, you know, during those formative years, I remember one of his things, he was talking about what can a person do to not feed into this evil machine that's running the world. And one of the things he said was, don't give them your talents. Don't give them your talents. <laughs> In his weird voice. <laughs> nice, nice. Don't give them, don't give them your talents. And it was like, don't go work for Sony. Don't go work for these big corporations if you have talent. Don't give that to them. And I always felt like in the film industry, I always felt kind of like I was sort of giving them my talents and they didn't deserve it in a way. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I, that's part of the reason I ended up getting out and becoming an independent artist so that I was like, I want to you know, put my talents towards what I want to make and what I think is good and not selling, selling out to them. You know, mm-hmm. so that was like such a, it was, that's that speaks to the point of the idea of selling out and how how we grew up with that idea and now it's not even a thing anymore. <laughs> There's not really any such thing. And it's you know and I was just talking to I think NC Winters we were talking about this whole selling out. This 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 issue came up. And huh? it is kind of true that I made the point that you know everybody's selling out all the time anyway it's like every job you have you're selling yourself you know you're you're what's buzzing is something buzzing oh yeah my phone okay. is someone's trying to call sorry <laughs> that's, I, all, that's I, all right I, I just want to make sure it wasn't me yeah. but but in a sense i could see how the selling out idea kind of fell out of favor because we everybody who has a job is kind of selling out to a degree well, you're selling okay. yourself your time to someone i've sold out once um i sold out to <laughs> fallout boy um, and I did the Fallout Boy album sleeve. Um, I, you know, uh, Jensen from Gallery 1988 approached me and asked me whether or not I'd be interested in doing uh, the cover for a Fallout Boy album. Now, I have never listened to a Fallout Boy song. <laughs> I, even though I did the cover of the Fallout Boy album, I still don't own a Fallout Boy album. <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> But hey, if know, they came along and asked me to do it and the the money was good, I would probably have to do it because that's yeah. the, that's the reality I live in. That's the financial the, reality. The oh the, the I didn't even make like a ton of money off of it. Like I made enough to be happy, but like, you know, it, it wasn't like you know, I, and stuff I, I wrote, like that. But the thing that sold me was like, okay, I can do an uh, an image that I like wanted to do, you know, um, within reason mm-hmm. and B I, you know, didn't have to give them my character, which, you know, right. was the most important thing. And then C like, I would have a million of something like the, the, the right, initial right. run of that album was a million. Right. You right. Know, to have, and it's getting to in front that, of a million eyes. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. You know? And you know, so I, um, yeah, I did it. And like, Nobody has fucking given me shit about it, you know, and I don't think it's, uh, it's not really an issue anymore. I I, I don't know. But I think the, 
it's selling out to me nowadays as a, you know a person that's over 50 years old to me if you are doing something that is goes totally against everything you believe in for the mm-hmm. money that you you know to me selling out would be like doing a logo for Donald Trump or something. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that that's selling out where you're selling out your values to something you, you know you don't believe in for a huge paycheck. That's kind of right. selling out to me. I've done some album covers for bands like uh I did an album. I let them I licensed an image for this kind of black metal, I forget the name, some black metal band. And I'm not really into black metal, you know, I'm not into mm. that stuff. Um but, you know, it's like it made sense with the sound mm-hmm. of the music. I listened to the music first and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, someone might look at that as selling out. Another person no. might look at no, it as... No, because that's just another... Black metal is just another arm of a counterculture. Right. You know... Um, yeah, it's related you know, to the, the dark art genre for sure anyway. But I, still, it's not like, oh, yeah, I'm really into this band. On the other hand, I've I've given artwork for bands that... I really like. You mm-hmm. know, there's this band called Invasives. It's kind of this. I think are great. This Canadian punk band that I'm just totally into. And I was like, "Hey, you can use my artwork for whatever you want." And they were mm-hmm. like, "No one's ever said that to us before." <laughs> like he was suspicious <laughs> of me after I contacted him. I'm like, "I just want to be, you know, I want to be. I think your stuff's cool, and so I want to be involved in something I like, you know." But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's. Like I said, I think to to be a sellout nowadays, you have to really, really, really go against your personal beliefs. Oh yeah, for a lot. Oh of yeah, money. well, that's my definition of it. I, I always kind of feel selling out is compromising your personal um, aesthetic, you know, for you know a cash grab, while using your name right. to you know to be a, a selling point. You right, know, right. and you know, it's 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 easy to detect, especially in music, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, if you if you have a, a band who is like you know, kind of known for doing like acoustic, you know, like folk music, and suddenly they come out with a top forty pop song, it's like you sold out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Unless no, they're I, into pop, maybe they if they got into pop music, I can you know I can, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they got like into pop music. Okay, here's a I've got a couple of good examples of people that sold out, but I feel like they deserved it. John Carpenter, you know the director John Carpenter. Yeah, he made all these amazing movies with no money. Assault on right. Precinct Thirteen, amazing. Halloween, uh, The Thing. Uh, Escape from New York, The Fog, like all these great low budget horror movies. I don't, the the thing I don't think was low budget, but it was like a big commercial bomb. He eventually, I know someone who was working with him and basically he was on set directing a movie and saying, you know, this is paying for my vacation, Mm -hmm. you know, and a guy like that fucking deserves to make some money in the end, you know, he's because, because he's done so much great stuff with no money. I mean, Brilliant work. You know, he was totally into it, obviously. And so he got to a point in his life and he's like, I need to make some money. I need to make mm-hmm. some real money. So I I totally get that. And same with, yeah. um, you know, Devo kind of went that way. Like they, they suffered for so long making this amazing art and hit mm-hmm. a point. And <clears throat> although they never fully got into mainstream other than Whip It, they did do like commercials and stuff. And they did music, uh, music for 
Mark Mothersbaugh does music for movies and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And they suffered enough to where I'm going to cut him slack for doing that artistically. You know, it's like they, they, they did such amazing work when there was no money to be made and they didn't make a lot of money from Devo. It's like, you guys deserve to be millionaires, so you should do it however you can. Right. You know what I mean? So those are two examples of people. How do you feel about Robert Rodriguez? Um, I, I, I don't, I'm, you know what? I I don't follow him that much. I'm not a huge fan really of his. Right. Zell Mariachi was great. You know, Desperado was great, you know, but then like you get Spy Kids 3D, you know? Oh, right, right. Well, even look (laughs) at Sam, Sam Raimi, um, who did the evil, evil dead, dark man. There's even a shot of dark man. I think there's a shot in Spider-Man. The first one he did that is like exactly like the shot in Dark Man. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a, nobody ever talks about it. It's a it's taken from Dark Man. It's kind of amazing, but but he again he did a lot of shit for little to no money, and then he and then he, you know, he went mainstream and made some money, and it's like I can't begrudge him that because right. you know he he put the time in. He made amazing work. You know, I understand well, people a, wanted to get a payday basically, especially well, that, after the, they work the, so the, hard. The, the first Spider-Man movie was great. You yeah, know, the yeah, Tobey yeah. Maguire one. I haven't even seen but, anyone after that actually. Yeah, like the other ones were terrible. But like the first one, you know, save, yeah, save your save your time and money. You don't need to <laughs> you know, watch them. You know, but like, you know, the that that first Tobey Maguire uh, Maguire um, Spider-Man movie in my eyes is a classic. You know, it's yeah, a, yeah. It, it was the first like it was one of the first comic book movies in my eyes, like after like Tim Burton's Batman mm-hmm. to kind of like like next level right. like the yeah, entire yeah. comic book movie yeah. thing. Like, I haven't seen it have, since it came out, but I like do you watch it. comic book comic book movies? I don't. I'm not. Whoa. I was. I'm not into superheroes at all. I'm not. Mm. Into, I mean, I've seen a few. I've seen a few, but it's, I'm not into it. It's just like, wow. I was, I was into horror comics. Okay. I was in Tales okay. from the Crypt and Creepy and Eerie and all the horror stuff. And I tried getting it. I remember I tried getting into superheroes because I love the idea of comics. I loved Mad Magazine. I was really into Mad Magazine. Yeah. And um, even for Zed, I did a lot of great comic stuff. And, mm-hmm. but I remember like, I couldn't get into these guys like in tights and capes. It was just like, it, it just wasn't, I don't know. So it didn't, it didn't jive with me for whatever reason. Sure. So I did. Sure. I mean, I bought some, but I could never fully get into it. So uh, I was, I was a big X-Men fan when I was a kid. Like, yeah, you know, anything I, I would, with an X on it. I no, would, I wasn't yeah, too. I, my, I was in a band with um, this woman who was totally an X. She had X-Men stickers on her guitar and, um, that's probably stuff I would have gotten into, but I missed the boat. Like I, it's like it was, oh, yeah. it, came, it was always a little <laughs> too old at that time, you know. And I wasn't into comics so much at that time, so mm. I think it, like I, you know, because I'm like seven years older than you, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's a there's a little bit of a the, gap yeah. there. Well, you know, the, I think the thing. Well, okay, like I was into um, like Marvel comic stuff like when I was in junior high, mm-hmm. you know, and right. like, I, 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 there's a story I like to kind of tell. I don't know whether I've actually told it on a podcast before, so you might, you might have to scoop on this. All right. <laughs> but, um, Exclusive. <laughs> Luke talks about like, you know, his, you know, ambitions. And, Exclusive. And, and, 
exclusive uh, yeah, his ambitions in comic books. So um, I was in junior high, I think, and I was, you know, really into comic books. And I grew up in the city of Fresno, which is a shithole. And I went to a comic book convention there. And I was walking around and I was looking around and I was like, no, mind you, I was like, you know, 13, maybe 14 years old, you know, and I was looking around and I was thinking to myself, I will never lose my virginity on this path. (laughs) (laughs) Wise, wise uh, perception. (laughs) <laughs> I I need to let this go. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's it's and, but like yeah, I still had a little bit of doubt about it. And then I, <laughs> I at the time, you know, like when I was 12, 13 years old, this is like um like 1985-86 or something like that. Um I was I had a growing interest in like all this nerd culture stuff. And yeah. so like I was really into anime mm-hmm. and then I went to an anime convention in Fresno and it was in this small little room in a, in a, like a Ramada Inn, like a conference room in a Ramada Inn. It was dark and it was just a whole bunch of other fucking nerds. And like there was, we were watching like fourth or fifth generation VHS tapes of anime, like, uh, <laughs> Not subtitled because, like, mind you, it was 1985, so none of it was subtitled, and it was all being like you know rammed by this super skinny like white dude with a beard, and he was wearing like a white t-shirt with like a homemade drawing of like a centaur, you know, a, a sexy anime style centaur, you know, like you know, so it's a girl with like big old furry boobs and like you know, and a horse's body, and like that was when like. I was like that my my epiphany from the comic book convention <laughs> came to like like full blasting like get the fuck out now. It's like okay, on one hand I want to have sex, on the other hand I like anime. Mm, which one's more important? <laughs> And so it was then and there that, like, I, I kind of, like, you know, like, all my clothing started getting darker and I, my, my taste in music started getting more and more, you know, formulated and concrete. And I, I transitioned out of comics and anime into, like, you know, music and, mm. like, rock and roll. And, like, you know, I started, like, you know, being a little bit more, like, I, I, I embraced more of a goth kind of, yeah. like, you know, aesthetic and um that's hilarious you know took that all the way into to college you know (laughs) and then like i don't know what happened like somewhere between like you know being a fucking junkie and like you know an artist you know (laughs) you know and and now like now i'm just smack dab back into super nerd heaven you know like I, (laughs) I, i i watch anime all the time i read <laughs> comics every well day. at this point you're at the age where you don't give a shit anymore you know so well, much of that young age is you're you know you're seeking approval of your peers or you, yep. you know you're trying to fit in a certain groups or form your own identity and then sure. you get to a certain point especially after going through like a, a serious life shit like drug addiction <laughs> it's yeah. like fuck this shit i'm gonna do what i want you know this all this <laughs> yeah. posing is just a joke you know, you get to a point and it's, you look around at people who are, you know, just posing and, and it's just like laughable. 
but oh, it is. It's a, it's a part of life. It's a stage. It's a phase you go through, you know? Well, the thing I didn't realize at the time, you know, was this entire indie comic scene that was like kind of brewing up, you know, mm-hmm. and like the larger metropolitan, metropolitan things. And then the other thing like is, is that like, if you go to fucking San Diego Comic-Con or any comic, big city comic book convention or a big, any fucking anime convention, there are girls everywhere oh, yeah, it's not, <laughs> you know, yeah like, nerd culture is not what it used to be now it's like cool to call yourself a nerd, nerd. yeah it is, is funny it is kind of yeah kind of. <laughs> true kind of <laughs> it's cooler than it used to be put it that yes, way yes <laughs> it's a lot cooler than it used to be but it's you know it, it's still mm, i don't know even with esports and all this other shit right. like uh, did, did you watch snl last night no no I no, there, there, there was there was this, it was uh, it had chance the rapper on it and there was a skit about like you know e-gaming mm-hmm. you know and like you know and like Chan- the the character that chance the rapper was playing was like a guy who normally did normal sporting events and got brought in because like the reporter was not that was supposed to be there was not available mm-hmm. and you know he was just kind of like going like what the fuck is going on here none of this makes sense and then they brought like you know like the like you know one of the um the guys you know, one of the the video game players and on and you know basically like nothing he said makes sense and all these girls show up and they're like oh my god i'm so in love with you and then you find out like the purse was like seven million dollars right which is you know what it's like nowadays right it's and so it's weird. just kind of like you know it's you know it yeah, it's more acceptable, but it's still not cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's because there, there's a it's it there's enough of a scene to where there's enough people to where you can exist, and there's there's like could be a hierarchy in the nerd geek scene. You know, right. there's because the world is so big now. There's so many more people in kind of every little scene or group that it supports itself. And it's like there's cool people and the nerd geeks, yep. and then there's mm-hmm. like the lower geek. There's a hierarchy. There, <laughs> there is, is totally. Hierarchy. It's gonna be anywhere there's human beings. There's gonna be a hierarchy. You know. Yep. Well, here's the thing. Like, do you feel that like this? This, this kind of brought an, a thought into my head, and like you know, considering like the dark art thing, like, mm-hmm. do you think a lot of the modern day dark art stuff, you know, is rooted in a um, you know, like this resentment from being, you know, in, in, in from being a part of like a, a a nerd, you know, geek kind of like. It can, um, you, yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> it, it definitely, I think there's an aspect of that for sure because I I know that I felt like when I was a kid, that was how I I, it was what I was drawn to. And then it was what I began to form my identity around. So I like mm. a, a sense of self. It's like, this is me. I'm into this shit that all these other people are freaked out about. And I kind of liked that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, stuff that scares you, I think is cool. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it like, you know, it's, it's, it's this part of identity that you part forming your identity that you grew up with. Uh, I remember when we had <laughs> in seventh grade, they, they passed out a, <clears throat> a like a, a sheet that, you were supposed to list what possible career you might want to follow. Mm. And I remember one of them I put was <laughs> mortician. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody in the class was like, what? 
and, I, and it's like I did it partially because to freak people out. But on the other hand, I I am interested in creepy, weird shit, and I would probably go to an autopsy if I had the chance because I find that stuff fascinating. But you know, at the same time, it was I remember feeling like you know, like kind of laughing at them for being freaked out about it. So, sure, sure. so I I do think that part of the dark art thing is because every so many artists I talk to and that, that are uh, fans and people that are you know newer artists and even established artists it's it's very much uh, you know it's kind of a fuck you to mainstream culture in a way and and for feeling right. left out of things and being kind of an outsider. And it's yeah. like, okay, I'm not going to try and fit in with the thing that you're excluding me from. I'm going to start my own thing and show you what assholes you are and paint the stuff that <laughs> bothers you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's fun. And I'm like fucking with you, sort of. <laughs> no, I, I, absolutely. Ab- absolutely. It's kind of a way I, to I, stay sane in that environment. It's like it's like a coping mechanism in a way. Right. You know? Right. It's like no, a healthy it, way it, to deal with that instead of shooting your school up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, if instead of, you know, being rejected and, and going withdrawing I, I, you know, I, and getting into right wing alt right shit, it's like a it's a Oops. Sorry, it's another way. Yeah, that was God telling yeah. me to stop stop talking about this shit. <laughs> 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 it's another it's another way of I think channeling feelings of of aggression mm-hmm. or dissatisfaction that you know every teenage kid feels and i think that that's when this stuff usually starts for most people well you know it's it's i i remember when columbine happened uh, and um though i i did not oh i'm oh, just you know what no no pop screen for the rest of the show there you go <laughs> yeah deal with it deal with it <laughs> deal with it but like i remember when columbine happened it was no, I was in college. At, uh, I think I was I was living in San Luis Obispo at the time, and like I though I, I had no idea what the motivations were, none whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, I just remember watching CNN and like there were kids like you know they had the helicopter shot of the kids like exiting the school and like people were like being like like leaping out coming out of the windows of the campuses and stuff like that mm-hmm. and. I remember thinking to myself because I was, you know, it wasn't that far. I wasn't that far away from, you know, high school at the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, I get it. Right. I yeah. fucking get it. Yeah. I know. I you think know, a lot but... of people, a lot of people that are outsiders probably uh, had that feeling like, I don't agree with it, but I get why, yeah. I get why someone would snap like that, you know, because mm-hmm. people, kids are, are brutal to other kids, especially the yeah. weird ones, the outsiders. But that's yeah. why that's part of the reason I feel like dark art is so important because it really is a way, you know, you could end up being pushed to the margins in school as a kid or whatever, mm-hmm. seen as a freak, you know, and, and really get pushed into going down a dark road because I think everybody has that potential in them. You know, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody has the potential of goodness or evil within them, I think. And dark art is such a healthy way to cope with that kind of situation and yes. find it and find yourself in a, in a community, which is, you know, part of the reason we're building this little community and stuff. So people feel like they're not alone and they're not freaks. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's how, you know, music did that for me when I was growing up, especially mm-hmm. when I got into the punk scene. It was like, oh, this is the this is it. 
this is where yeah. I feel comfortable. I don't feel like a weirdo and, and it's cool. And, yeah. and, and I really, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like it kind of saved me, <clears throat> you know, same with oh, art great. and art, art was a place I can, I could channel all those feelings and, and still be sane. It really kept me kind of from going nuts. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, music was a huge influence on my life at the time. Like, mm. you know, just, uh, you know, like, like listening to all this, like, non, like, this, like, anti-authoritarian mm-hmm. kind of, like, you know, music, like, helped me, like, you know, find solace in something, you know, in a world that, like, I felt had forsaken me right you know and um even just hearing some something that you go oh i feel that way too Mm -hmm. it made you go oh i'm not crazy i'm not feeling it's not it's not me it's the world that's fucked up (laughs) you know (laughs) and my dissatisfaction is because everything's so fucked up and because yeah like this guy's saying it i respect this artist over here saying this oh that makes me feel better you know yeah oh absolutely and you know i think you know, especially nowadays, you know, now that we live in this social media, Instagram kind of world, like, you know, where, you know, we are constantly looking at images, we are constantly looking at, you know, um, like, like artwork. You know, at least I, I imagine most, a lot of people are, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird thing, like, you know, how, you know, social media can be really isolating at the same time mm-hmm. too. Right. You know, because yeah. like, if you don't know to look for it, You'll never find it. Social media giveth and social me- social media taketh yeah, away. <laughs> it certainly does. Like, I imagine, like you know, like you know, like like high school kid, like you know, right. you know, and you're all you're doing is you know, you're the people you're following are your friends, you know, and you know, a couple things here and there, you know, that you, maybe you're, you're interested. In. You just don't realize this. I mean, you know, you, you live in a big world, but you don't probably have any idea just how big it yeah, really is. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, like I, I'm constantly like, you know, I'm glad that I did not grow up in a time with fucking social media. Oh, my God. I know. God, <laughs> no. I know, like, I know. How, old are, how old are your kids? Oh, 35. My stepson's 35. Mm-hmm. And my... um. Younger son is, I think, 30. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 29 okay. or 30, I can't remember. Okay. But the, the cool thing is that they are not totally social media freaks. And I'm so glad uh, about that. Yeah, it's weird. They're like, they, they're on social media, but they're not addicted to social media like most people, which is like, oh, thank God. Even my, my younger son's fiance and my older son's fiance as well, they're, they're just not these... For some reason, they're not totally into it, and I'm really thankful of that. Oh, that's you know? good. Because, because, yeah, you can it can get insane. Yeah, yeah. I imagine, <clears throat> like, you know, what if, like, I have, like, you know, um, some friends who have pretty young kids right now, and like, you know, they, you know, it's just, I, I always just think it's really weird to see, like, a, you know, like. A teenager, like not even a teenager, a pre, a young teen, you know, with his their own, you know, know. seven hundred dollar device. Oh, we're we're know? we're we're at that point right now with my granddaughters who are seven and eight, turning eight and nine, mm-hmm. and one of them wants to be a YouTube star. That's like her oh, thing. It's like she watches the they watch these stupid ass YouTube videos. They're so dumb, <laughs> and. and uh, 
you know, she's like, and the thing is, is she's she's a such a beautiful little girl. Like she's strikingly beautiful. Like she could be mm-hmm. a, a child, you know, actor or something. She right. could totally do it. She yeah. could totally do it. And it's like we're at that point where it's like, okay, do you want to? What do you do in this situation? Because you do not, I do not want these kids uh, growing up in that world, you know, but this is kind of the world they've got. Luckily, their mom has got a good handle on them. So, oh, okay. so she, and she's not into that. She's really not that into social media either. So I kind of feel like that is like what all the, every little kid, every, especially a lot of little girls like you know kind of dreams are because that's not the first time i've heard about like mm-hmm. a young girl like wanting with that kind of you know aspiration yeah and it's it's kind of sad I like know. you know you know, know but like at the same time it's so much more realistic than like being uh a-list celebrity right or, yeah because that's know, what that's what we you know when we were growing up that's what we wanted to be we wanted to be the six million dollar man exactly. right you know, yeah. shit like that. Yeah. We wanted to, like, you know, be in Hollywood, and, you know, blah, 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 you know, but doing the, that. Now it's, that, like, you know? accessible. You can actually do it, which is yep, crazy. You, could, you have the technology in your hand. Yeah. It's yeah. not that great, but it's good enough. Right. You don't have a microphone. You don't have a... What's what's it called? It uh, oh, what, pop what's screen. Like, you know, you, 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 it doesn't have a pop screen. You know, but it's a start. You're right. You know, how far are we? How far along are we, man? We we are. We have to stop. It's after two. It's been past two hours. Two hours and six wow. minutes. Amazing. I, I was I, I was just I, thinking about letting you go because I know I've kept you on for over two hours. <laughs> this yeah, may be our was, longest episode yet. Um, I, I, I can be a jabberjaw. No, like, it's know, great. I know how to bring up the subjects. Super, well, you know, super fun conversation. I really enjoyed dude, it. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, thank you for coming on. Yeah, give give some give your plugs of of your stuff, so, your goods. Um, I will be at DesignerCon this November. Are you going to be in DesignerCon? No, I stopped doing it when they moved because I was so spoiled because it was like 15 minutes from me in Pasadena <laughs> and they moved to Anaheim. I'm like, fuck, I don't want to go rent a, a room and drive you know all I that found? way. And I found that like, I, cause I, I, I did the room thing last year and like, I'm like, fuck it. I'm, I'm just going to drive to fucking, you know, Anaheim. Do you have a booth like your own booth? I got a booth. And you run booth. it the whole time. I, I I hire like a couple people to help me out. So you can you leave know? early and go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I can leave early, but I will have to be there to close it. You know. Oh, okay, so, okay, okay. You know, so so you still like, drive yeah. home though, huh? It's like an hour drive. Yeah, I'm I'm going to drive home from now on okay. just because it's like you know it it's it's yeah it's about an hour drive, but like well I mean it's maybe yeah maybe about 45, 50 minutes you okay. know for me you know but like you know it's just like three days. You know, I know. So. I'm older than you, though. It's so much harder now. <laughs> Every year gets harder to do. <laughs> it's, it, it also came at a time where it was like, oh, I'm getting burnt out on conventions. And then they moved. I was like, okay, it's one less one to do, even though it was one of my, that and Monster Palooza are like my two favorite conventions. So I'm really bummed they, they moved. Uh, so I don't have to go more than 15 minutes from my house. <laughs> <laughs> I've been meaning to go to Monster Palooza. I have not been out there. I'd like oh, to, I'll, I'll have to check it out. Oh, you you'll know? love it. You'll love it. You it's know, amazing. It's, it looks like fun. It looks like fun. fun. So, so anyway, but you're yeah, going to be, be at DesignerCon? 
I'll be at DesignerCon. Um, I have a booth. I don't remember the booth number, but I'm sure if you like peruse the convention, you'll find me. Um, and then you can get in contact with me uh, through my Instagram at uh, Luke Chu. That's L-U-K-E-C-H-U-E-H. And um, you, yeah, you could like look at my social media. Please give me an ad and. You know, I promise I'll try and keep it entertaining, you know, Oh no, I'll put that stuff in the description as well. So you can cool. send me all the links, anything, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll message that to you and it's, cool. uh, just, uh, yeah, just Google my name and I'm sure you'll be able to find me, you know? So yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks a lot. Th and... Yeah. Thank you for coming on. And, um, it was great to talk to you because, we started together, so you're one of yeah. the you're one of the my oldest friends in the scene, really. And it's like we haven't <laughs> hung out, just like I was saying. So many yeah. artists I interview on here, it's like I feel like you know uh, a brother. I feel like you're a brother, and it's like we hardly know each other really because we don't see each other that often. Yeah, it's funny. It, it, life is life. You yeah, know, yeah. geography in LA is a serious issue. Yeah, you right. know? <laughs> it's very you know, spread out. So. Well, but you know, but yeah, um, yeah. So, well, well thank thanks you. for having me on, and uh, please, uh, you know, check me out if yes. you are interested. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, audience, for listening and supporting. And if you want to support financially. And get the podcast a day early. You could go to patreon.com slash darkartsociety. And if you want to support my Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash chetzar. But if you support the Dark Art Society pot, uh, Patreon, you get the podcast a day early. And we just started a new website. And um, we're trying to get – it's like a membership web, website. Really cool. Darkartsociety.com. And thank you. Please share, like, and all that business and spread the word because we are a word of mouth kind of situation here. You know, you got to get that uh, website made on Squarespace. That way you can get that Squarespace, you know. I've got my personal <laughs> one on Squarespace. Um, yeah, I don't know how to, I don't know how to get sponsorship like that. I don't know. We'll have to talk about that. Do you have sponsorship on yours? No, we're only uh, 37 oh, okay. episodes okay. deep. So When you, when you, you know, get sponsorship, you can tell me how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I will, Jeff. I promise. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on, and I really appreciate you taking the time. It was super fun. So, oh, the pleasure was mine. Oh, and let's, uh, let's do it again sometime. Yes. Don't hang up on me, though. So say goodbye first, and then don't hang up on me. But goodbye, right. everybody. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>